0: All right, this is a historical inappropriate Earl. It's, it's it's a dual podcast. It's also,
1: yeah, you can't just make it like it's inappropriate Earl.
0: I know, if you'd shut up, I was going to fucking intro the whole thing.
1: Well, who said you get to intro? Because. All right, then you intro it. I don't want to intro it, but I was thinking maybe. Why are you talking? talking? Well, I thought we'd share the introduction. <laughs> what I. <laughs> Do you, have, do you have brass knuckles on your microphone?
0: That's <laughs> the only sponsor of Inappropriate Earl. And
1: uh, The Bingle Show with the, Eddie Ift.
0: The Stephen Piercy's Mike Knuckles. So if you want to look cool comics while you're bombing at an open mic. Yes, strap on a pair of mic Knuckles, you fucking losers. (laughs) Oh, wait, that's half my fan base. Sorry. You You guys are all great. Production deals for everybody.
1: You might need that in some of the urban rooms. I don't do urban rooms. I'm good. When I say urban, I mean... Keith Urban. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that. Yeah, so uh, we're doing something original and lazy. Uh, I agreed to do Earl's podcast, (laughs) and I had to do one of my own. And I didn't really want Earl as my guest, but... Well, I've uh, done your podcast twice. I know. I love you as a guest. I just... You know what the truth is? I'm turning so Hollywood. I realize that like you need big, big names for big, big numbers.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, you absolutely do. (laughs) You do.
1: And so, uh, although... You look at like Rogan. He's the biggest podcast in the world. He doesn't have big, big names. They're just really incredibly interesting people. But I like to put really funny people on my show, and that's why Earl's on today.
0: Well, I like Rogan's uh, podcast because he, he know, doesn't just know. have UFC people on. Like, no. you would think someone like him would just have, like, I don't know, John Jones on one yeah. week and Josh Barnett. He has, like, these. He had a guy on the other day that's some Navy SEAL who's, like, a super SEAL. Like, it was really like David interesting. David Goggins, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow, this guy's, like, yeah. passed, tested, even though <laughs> the top SEAL didn't pass. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I try and do that.
1: Pretty soon he's going to be a high school teacher. Well. That's my theory. We get we get Navy SEALs in their downtime to be teachers to end the school shootings.
0: I, I mean, who knows? Bad people are going to get the guns. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. That kid, he
1: bought it legally. I mean, You know... I'm not having a gun argument again uh, the whole way over here, my friend and I argued guns.
0: I'm not arguing. I'm just saying, I you know, uh, I don't know what the right thing is. I got
1: got an idea for this podcast. I thought it'd be interesting. What if for the beginning of it, I interview you? Okay. Or you interview me, and then we switch.
0: Why don't you start first? Because, you know, this is half your podcast. This is a dual podcast. You're a
1: bit also have your podcast but
0: well you're a bigger name so you know i gotta no that's not true you are no it is true
1: you have way more tv credits now i'm not on tv anymore i'm a road hack
0: if my career fell in the forest nobody would hear it i I
1: feel the same way about mine (laughs) yeah it's like you got to promote your gigs to who
0: (laughs) (laughs) but you headline i'm just a
1: i am i'm a non-drawing headliner i'm a middler i have to be honest i've been selling out shows lately and i don't know why like i went Lake Tahoe, sold out. Portland, Oregon, sold out. Just did Santa Monica last night, sold out show. I'm uh, in Las Vegas tonight, and it it will be sold out, but it won't be because of me. The real true test is going to be Appleton, Wisconsin. I'm going there. If I sell out there, there's a trend. Something's happening.
0: You're doing the Dirty at 1230 show. I've never done it, but Gabe Lopez, uh, great dude. He's his show.
1: Yeah. I... uh, I just know he's Mexican.
0: I mean, he's friends with Ralphie May. That's good enough for me.
1: Yeah, you loved Ralphie, didn't you?
0: I really did. I had to delete his DMs.
1: Oh yeah, you told me that.
0: Just, uh, I mean, I love Ralphie, but what's uh, the worst DM? Oh, I'm not. not, We we should talk about gun control or something. (laughs) (laughs) Let's
1: talk about abortion. Um,
0: I mean, Ralphie, uh, you you know, he would always say, "Let me get you on the road. Let me get you out of L.A. doing comedy." you know just would was, you like
1: to go on the road?
0: I don't want to be a road comic cuz I just I I have no interest in like being a, the king of B rooms. Uh,
1: okay, know. so let's I'm going to start my interview with um, that. Earl Skakel, how did it all begin?
0: Well, uh my dad didn't pull out and I think probably the summer of 67 and then uh I came flying out of my mom's Jiny.
1: What town were you living in at the time?
0: Uh Bel Air, California. So
1: you grew up, you've been here your whole life.
0: Yes, I grew grew up in Bel Air. Not all comics are poor. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Uh, But we were very lucky in our wealth. We weren't, uh, I still say I'm upper middle class.
1: Really? Why do you say that?
0: Because my dad bought our family home in Bel Air in the 60s. When Bel Air was no nicer a neighborhood than, say, uh, Culver City. Right. It's not a knock on Culver City. It's just right. it's a regular neighborhood. Then the Bel Air fire happened, and literally every home in Bel Air was burned to the ground except for ours. Because my dad was not. My letting... dad did it. Oh, but yeah. Well, my dad hired a couple of the. Well, never mind. It's a new era. I can't say stuff like that anymore. Uh, my dad hired a few caddies just to set the. <clears throat> and, uh, my dad was not letting our house burn down. Trust me on that one. So
1: whenever your house burned down, you're they build up mansions around your house. And yeah. because they did, the 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 value of your home just skyrocketed.
0: I mean, it was like literally being in on a, a penny stock that grew into so a regular.
1: you became real estate rich. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, like our neighbors, this is who our neighbors were. Harry Nielsen, often called the fifth Beatle. Yeah, um, I mean, his songwriting royalties probably to this day, even though he's been dead for years, probably a, a million plus a year to his family. Um, you know, Sylvester Stallone, when he was living with uh, Susan Anton, the uh Did
1: you actress. see him like jogging?
0: Oh, yeah, shoes? he was jogging all the time in his uh, Gloria Vanderbilt, uh, you know, sweat outfits. You know, this is the 80s. Um, O.J. Simpson, Orenthal James Simpson.
1: You live near the house where it happened?
0: Uh, No, he lived in Bel Air before Brentwood.
1: Uh, Okay, Brentwood's where the house... They knocked that down, I heard, recently.
0: I mean, O.J. was about as black as the albino from Foul Play. I mean, (laughs) that motherfucker never went to Roscoe's. I mean, you know, he was Bel Air Country Club, Riviera. You know, he never hung out in the hood. He
1: belonged to both Bel Air and Riviera?
0: I don't even know if he belonged to them, but you know, when you're OJ in the 70s and 80s, you just probably walked into any country club. And even though, let's just say, country clubs aren't exactly friendly towards certain ethnicities, it was OJ.
1: Okay. So, so you grew up in Bel Air, but you're from the Skakel background. So there's, there's, uh, there's some success there.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, my grandfather, uh, started the, I think it was the, Largest uh, privately owned company in America for a while Um, because he would go buy oil refineries and ask them for their waste. And they thought he was a crazy, like, yeah, sure. It'd be literally like going, I don't know, up to the comedy store and saying, can we get the stuff from your paper shredder? Uh, And then what do you do with it? Turn turn it into graphite. graphite.
1: Oh, graphite. And then didn't he lose that company or something?
0: Well, he went deep on a, uh, you know, we'd be billionaires, uh, but he went deep. With his own money and stock in an oil operation in the Amazon. (laughs) And it just didn't quite work out as he had anticipated.
1: Your grandfather did that?
0: No, my dad.
1: Oh, your dad did that?
0: My dad took over the company uh, at the appropriate time. And, uh, you know, my dad was a very interesting guy. Like he was on the cover of Life magazine for killing a whale. Uh, Not a girl he met on Plenty of Fish, but uh, see, that's a bring it back full circle
1: he, he didn't use tinder which was good right
0: yeah i just bombed on my own or on our podcast i got it i got it it's okay. uh, I'm So i'm gonna bomb
1: too so
0: uh he was like a jack of all trades he was a scratch golfer but he had the worst swing
1: oh one of those guys
0: he was like uh, happy gilmore
1: yeah yeah i've seen those guys it's pretty weird to play with them you're like how did that ball just go from there to there with what you just did.
0: He had this swing where he would loop the club around his back like he was swinging a pickaxe, and it just... It worked. And he played with, like, these shitty ping... Is your dad passed? My parents passed away two months apart in 98.
1: Oh, geez, I'm sorry to hear that. That's.
0: I'm glad it happened that way, to be frank, because what? they loved each other so much. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. They were incredibly weird. They slept in separate rooms. Really? Um... We had a fully stocked gun closet. It's amazing one of us didn't die from... I can't tell you how many times I pulled out like a 45, pointed it in my face, and went, oh, this is cool. None of them were locked. None of them have safeties on Loaded? Ammunition all over the place. <laughs> I mean, there was probably 200 guns. Who was the gun lover, your dad? My dad. My dad was a hunter.
1: Okay, so he's one of those guys. But um, was there ever any kind of incident? or accident no never ever
0: no I mean he um that's crazy but he was like a Jacques Cousteau meets Bill Gates meets MacGyver um well,
1: and if you don't mind me asking what did they pass from
0: well mom had so many different forms of cancer like uh she didn't believe in doctors she's like fuck it yeah. I'm living a good life I don't yeah. care how I,
1: long did she make it hold
0: I mean, she uh, died at 69, and then dad was 74. That's uh, the
1: average average lifespan, 74. Well, they
0: could, uh, I don't know if I'd say they could still be alive, but, like, uh, if mom went to the doctor, she definitely could have lived. Yeah. Uh, but she, I mean, when I was a kid, she had these massive bumps on her forearms, like golf balls, uh-huh. and they were tumors.
1: Yeah, she she, I'm Christian. good. Uh, you know, smoke Christian, Christian scientist? No, she just was
0: from the sticks of uh, Cartersville, Georgia, which is where I think they still have lynchings. Oh, uh, okay. It's like...
1: you. Why'd you smile when you said
0: that? <laughs> I meant Ron Lynch. She's a great comic. Uh, no, I, I didn't smile. See, this is... What, well, we're on... Uh, well, you're on Facebook Live. I'm just the voice. Oh, I'm on Facebook. Yeah.
1: I'm over here. Sticking, pulling wax out of my ear. Um... Uh, so she probably sh- asked you a lot of these questions on when you did the Bingo show before. Um, your cousin, I believe, was on the Bingo, uh, was on talking shit once. Robert.
0: Oh, yes, yes, Robert
1: Kennedy the third,
0: right? He's uh, my aunt is Ethel, right? So, uh,
1: C- cousin by marriage,
0: yeah. So that's why I've never made a big thing about the Kennedy thing. It's like, okay, well, it's just too he two
1: pe- said you guys are crazy though, and he's crazy.
0: Oh, we're crazy. The Skakel side of the family. He said
1: the Skakel side is fucking. He was telling some story about you guys driving a golf cart into a pole or something like well, shooting, shooting fireworks off a golf cart or something or guns. Or-
0: I mean, there's so many golf cart stories. Like my dad once was on the, uh, this is probably a little too deep of a reference, but on the eighth hole of Bel Air. You know, the tea box is very high, and you have to drive down a a pretty steep path. And my dad was a drinker for a large part of his life. And I don't mean a couple beers. I mean, it was like hardcore. Right. Uh, And he tipped the cart over, uh, broke like five ribs. And he was so strong that he just lifted the cart back on its wheels and shot— two birdies on the next two holes with five broken ribs because, you know, he he just didn't feel anything like he was a maniac.
1: Did he play a lot of golf?
0: He played every day. He went to three places and this is kind of how I live my life. He went to church uh, and then he went to the Beller hotel to drink with Harry Nielsen and then the Beller country club to play golf with, you know, whoever every day. Yeah. He was like the Rodney Dangerfield work. Well, he was a pretty established businessman at that time. So, uh, he'd go into the office and do his thing. And then,
1: so, so I grew up around a country club, so I kind of know that mentality and I know guys like that and it is kind of amusing to watch, but, uh, you're not a drinker. Oh, are you? Never
0: had a drink in my life.
1: Is it because of him and his drinking?
0: Um, no, my mom bribed me. She's cause I was the last of five children, uh, And they were, uh, you know, they partied to varying degrees. Nothing too wacky, but, you know, they enjoyed a a, a liquor beverage and uh, maybe some uh, smoke and uh, possibly some powdered refreshments. Yeah, Yeah. And my mom was like, I don't want my last child to be, you know. Really? So she's like, if you don't drink until you're 18, I'll get you the car of your choice. Wow. Within reason.
1: Wow. What'd you pick?
0: I'll never forget. We went down to Ocean Motors 20th in Santa Monica, BMW dealership. I think it's still there. And the guy takes me into this warehouse that's probably got 100 cars in it. And he just looks at me and goes, Pick. <laughs> and I just, you know, I was like, it's like you know, everywhere I looked, I, I would have taken anything. And I saw a bright red one. I'm like, That's it. <laughs> and so my mom, I think it was 22000 and that's a that was a lot for an 80s car you know 86 her hands literally shaking like Michael J Fox you know uh so she took a cab home because she thought I'd be too nervous in the car with her so I'm so excited I get the car I'm driving back to Bel Air I'm stopped uh, to make a left off of Sunset uh by Marymount High School for those of you who are local and the car is smoking so bad, it's like a Kiss concert is coming out of the back end. So I finally get to uh, my house. My dad's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" I'm like, "I don't know, Dad. This is a new car. It just can't be like I. I, I don't know what I did. Like, it's I picked, a new car. I picked
1: it for the pyrotechnics.
0: <laughs> and he goes into the car and he goes. And this is how my dad just spoke. You fucking idiot. The emergency, the emergency <laughs> brake was on. So I drove five miles and I'm like, I'll never forget. Like, I was driving, I probably was driving fast. I'm like, this car's a little sluggish. <laughs> so I'm really fucking, there's only four cylinders. How long do you have that car? I had it for uh, probably seven years. Did
1: you get a lot of tail
0: in that car? I did. <laughs> but I didn't get laid till I was 21.
1: Why, weirdo?
0: You know, uh, I was very popular in high school, class clown. Where'd you go to school? Notre Dame High. Okay. Riverside and Woodland. Are you Catholic? I well was. My mom converted to marry my dad. So the the reality is, I'm Jewish, okay. but I was raised Catholic, altar boy, all that stuff.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Who's Jewish though? My mom. Mom's Jewish. Dad is Catholic.
0: Right, but in the fifties. You had to convert to Catholicism. Usually, the other way. Uh, You know, well, I don't know. I mean, uh, well, yeah, I think if you're marrying to Jewish family, uh, yeah,
1: the Jews, the Jews, those are the only people they let in.
0: uh, But uh, my and my parents had divorced and got back together. With each other. Oh wow! So I I was came in after the.
1: I think about that. I think that'd be great. That's like a dream of mine. Divorce my wife for a while, go hang out with some other chicks for a while, and then just come back and everything's normal.
0: Well, my dad was an incredibly good looking dude. Like really? he was a model. Like he could have been. He he wasn't. But and my mom was a model. So uh, how do you. I think I was adopted.
1: I'm just kidding. No. I think Ted Levine. God damn, you're good looking. I mean, for forty nine. Wait, so let's get to this. Wait, so your mom's Jewish, your dad's Catholic. She converts. She converts to Catholicism. Right, but a rabbi Why would say... Why do you call yourself Jewish then? you go, right. Well, I have
0: Jewish blood. A rabbi would say you're Jewish. Because you have some Jewish blood. Right. You know, it's like the mob. You can only get in if you're...
1: You guys, that's typical of the Jews. You just think you're better than everyone. Your Jewish blood is better than your Catholic blood.
0: I mean, I'm not better than anyone.
1: But what is the ethnicity then? Where's... White. White. <laughs>
0: No, where's your mom? brother?
1: What's your mom?
0: What? What? Uh, my mom was uh, from the you know Cartersville, Georgia, Georgia. the the deep A south Jew from Georgia. And when people would call my uh, that's Lois coughing in the back, uh, smoking. When people, yeah, with the, the things that dog has seen in this house. Uh, when people would call my home in the seventies, and my mom would answer, they thought she was black. She had an incredibly thick, you know, southern drawl okay and then uh my dad was Irish, Irish Catholic you okay. know, um
1: so but you don't know if your mom's a Sephardic Jew or I think she, well my mom had a wild
0: uh upbringing like you know possible uh molestation and like her dad was a legendary uh she's from Georgia everyone's molesting. yeah well I mean that's not molestation if you ask just, for it. It's
1: just Tuesday.
0: Uh, but her dad was like a Bear Bryant of high school football oh, coaches. Yeah. He got killed when she was nine.
1: Jesus.
0: The mom was an alcoholic. So uh, I
1: thought it was just the Kennedy side that had all this fucked up.
0: Shit. Oh, the Skakels are a hundred times uh, worse. I mean, I've lost, I lost both my grandparents in a plane crash, uh, an uncle in a plane crash, my dad's brother.
1: I think um, that happens. I might. We might have already talked about this. I hate that we might have already talked about this, and I don't remember. Um, but why is Lois trying to bite me? No,
0: she's not trying to bite you, dude. Um,
1: we talked about. Um, I think wealthy people, like one of my best friends, who's a billionaire, has. Um, he's got like that kind of weird history. Like his relatives were in a plane crash, where his aunt and uncle both died, and the son, I believe, died. The daughter lived. That was in the crash but three of the four of them died and uh, his father died fairly young. His brother died. And I think what it is when you have a lot of money, you lead a lot more of an active lifestyle of risk-taking. So like you fly a lot more, you go to crazier places. Like, Like I was just thinking I'm supposed to go to Bali and go like, because I'm a comedian, I go on all these like crazy tours and there are some flights that I'm like, oh fuck, I'm gonna be on some tiny little plane. If you're the average person not doing these things, you're not gonna crash in a little fucking two-seater plane that's taking you over to some island so you can go surf fucking giant waves over coral reef. Like you know, hunting trips and crazy weird fucking shit. You're putting yourself in those situations. So that's probably why the Kennedys and the skate look at, you know, JFK Jr. happened in the, you know, was flying a plane and Weird conditions.
0: Well, he wasn't even qualified to fly instruments. Yeah. So to to fly, you know, I watch. I had I had a horrible fear of flying. Yeah. Like I should. I, I would pass up on gigs if I had to fly yeah. to them. Like Rob Schneider would say, "Hey, can you open for me in I don't know New York?" I mean, fuck, that's a long flight. Uh, I would lie and say, "Oh, I I I booked a pilot," and it's like in August, like there's no pilots being filmed in (laughs) August. Uh, And Rob was great. That's
1: Uh, all I am with elevators.
0: I had a fear of elevators. Like, uh, how'd you
1: get rid of it? Um,
0: my mom would always take me shopping, and I just would think about the clothes I'm going to get once the elevator doors would open. (laughs)
1: Oh my God, you're such a woman. (laughs) No,
0: I'm being honest. Like, I always try and fly first class when I can. I don't fly a lot, so I, I. so I can, I just have this thing of for people in first class don't die. And I know Dennis Miller had a bit where, you know, they shut the, I think it was something like they shut the curtain and what do you think is going to happen? If people in first class fly <laughs> off and like Goldfinger, finger, you know, type of pods and like, yeah, I do. <laughs> I really believe okay.
1: that. So you went to high school at St. Notre Dame High. Notre Dame. Where is that?
0: It's uh, Sherman Oaks um is it a is a private cat very catholic school I'm a, i wanted to go to beverly high just because um, i went to good shepherd grade school in beverly hills and all my friends went to beverly and i didn't know anyone at notre dame high because i didn't know anyone in the valley uh but uh my mom went to beverly high for one day and she came to pick me up uh and with leroy our black butler and uh that's another that we'll get into him in a second. We had a Uh <laughs> Leroy Prince, the OG Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Uh and in the parking lot were like Ferrari, literally Ferraris, Porsches. I mean, my car uh wouldn't have gotten past the guard in this and she's like, You're not going here. So she sent me to Notre Dame High. That was
1: pretty smart of your mom, I think.
0: Well, not really, because Notre Dame High had more money than Beverly oh, High. Really? Well, it's
1: very... It's, I, th- I think the money is really bad for kids. I think it's fucking awful.
0: Well, I mean, it, that's the one thing. I mean, I probably had it a little too easy growing up.
1: Um. So wait, so you go there. So you
0: go to Notre Dame High, you know, four years.
1: Uh, is it Was it all boys?
0: Well, um, it was all boys the first year, and then Corvallis, which was the all-girls school, like our sister school, they shut down, and all the girls
1: came to us which was great
0: oh it was great i mean i, I remember
1: I all boys school this is weird
0: well i was such a good kid freshman year and the dean uh jerome all i'll never forget his name uh he would call all the people in who didn't get any detentions and just say hey good job you know we're happy yeah. to have you here and i'm like uh dean all you got to get some chicks in here because there's a lot of fags in this school
1: you said that yeah
0: John? I, I was just oblivious i i it's like the beginning of my dark comedy. And he's like, did, did,
1: did, uh, <laughs> he said, Did he
0: kind of laughed uncomfortably? And you like, were a
1: good student, though. Not really, to be honest. He be bees. But I mean, you were a good kid, though. You weren't getting in trouble.
0: Oh, no. I never did anything. I saw more drugs freshman year at Notre Dame than I've ever seen in my life. Uh,
1: freshman year?
0: Yeah, there was cocaine, a lot of coke at Notre Dame, a lot of Jesus. weed.
1: I'd see, I think, I grew up in Pittsburgh and i I didn't see a lot of drugs till like. Started seeing cocaine my senior year, and it was always like older college kids at parties. And uh, I didn't really see drugs. Pot was it. Right. And I, So I'm starting to think it's this town. I think if you grew up in this town, you're just fucking immersed in the drug culture.
0: Uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen more drugs. For someone who's never done drugs, I've seen more than Keith Richards.
1: So we
0: have a celebrity on Facebook Live right now. I don't usually like to do this, who? but... And I don't know if he will like me saying this, uh, but the drummer from Kiss, the great Eric Singer, is in the house watching uh, formerly of uh, Badlands, Black Sabbath.
1: Why would he be on your Facebook page?
0: You know, he's a fan. He might not admit it, but Eric Singer in the house. Just wanted to give a quick shout out. Do
1: you have his picture up on your wall?
0: I do. Several of them. Oh, good. An amazing drummer. Drums for Brian May. I mean, he's the real deal.
1: What's he think of my posture right now? Uh, Eric,
0: uh, you know, Eddie Ift, uh, I'm sure you've seen him headline somewhere while you're on the road. The I mean, hardest working dude I've ever, he's never home. He's always.
1: Is he always with Kiss or who else? Um, Someone
0: yeah, else? I, I think he's with Kiss primarily. He's also was Alice Cooper's main drummer. Okay. Um, How and, does he
1: feel about uh, Little Kiss? Oh. Uh, the midget version.
0: Well, I think he's a fan of the, the Kiss in Seattle. That's all Gene Simmons everyone dresses as jean and they're called jeans addiction. It's <laughs> <That's> pretty funny. <laughs> That's good. And uh, I'm what trying What
1: about to, Little Kiss? I I had a friend that played in Little Kiss.
0: I don't know if Eric has thoughts on Little Kiss. Uh he might be just a voyeur right now. He might oh, not want to get he just in.
1: click to give you a uh it's
0: just a little, you know, he's a big Cleveland Cavaliers fan.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: He had a great picture once at the airport, and I'm sure you've taken pictures like this. Uh, there was a basketball player who later became a pro wrestler named Giant Gonzalez, uh, El Gigante, and he was like seven eight. And uh, it's the best picture because Eric's—I uh, don't know—maybe five ten, five nine, and so just to see two humans who have a two-foot height difference. Yeah, uh, it's, uh,
1: I. So I've got a friend that played for the Australian national team in basketball, and he's his name's Wheeler, and he's—I think he's about seven foot just about seven foot. And then I have another friend named Iman, who's a comedian, who is about three feet tall. He's like the smallest person I know. He weighs like 41 pounds. And I was somewhere with them once at a show and we were all hanging out backstage and I realized they were both there. I said, do you guys mind getting in a picture together? And uh they were both like, yeah, no problem. And I was like, you know, for perspective, I'm gonna need Wheeler, I'm gonna need you to hold Amon in your hand like that old Guinness Book of Worlds records right, picture. Right. And uh we didn't do that, but we got a picture of the two of them together and it's pretty creepy. But um I'm back to you. All right, I'm sorry, you know, I,
0: I get you know, just I got sidetracked. Notre with Dame. The...
1: You went to Notre Dame four years there.
0: Four years there, and then I went to SMC, which is a junior college in Seattle.
1: Why junior college?
0: Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I was clueless after high school. But
1: all your friends must have been going off to college.
0: Oh yeah, I mean uh, every one of them. They were, you know, and most of them from Notre Dame went on to be uh, engineers and uh, Ivy League schools. You know, I think uh, trying to. Think. We didn't really have any celebrities in our uh, in my grade. I the drummer from Jane's Addiction uh, was a couple of years before me. Uh, I think the guitar player from Quiet Riot his cousin went there. Like, it wasn't a very...
1: That's hilarious. The only, like, famous person that went to my high school was Reb Beach. From Winger. Yeah.
0: We've got a lot of musicians right now. Uh, it, not only is Eric Singer from Kiss in here, but Stefan Adika, a former bass player from L.A. Guns.
1: Oh, L.A. Guns. My oldest uh, sidekick, Jason Auer, claims that he was the guitar tech for L.A. Guns. Maybe this guy can dispute it because... Uh, Jason has always laid claim to that, and we always think Jason's lying about everything. But I'm sure that he doesn't remember his guitar tech.
0: And uh, by the way, I'd see uh, this shows you what a friend I am. If you're a resident of uh, Paso Robles, Stefan Adika, ex-bass player from L.A. Guns, will sell you a nice home, cut rate deal. I like, I like to help people out.
1: L.A. Guns, though, my buddy is bringing, Milan, Milan Chernovic, is bringing them over to Australia. I think I know him. Milan? Yeah. Everybody knows Milan. I it, probably met him at... Uh, met him at Chayol. Just for Last. Yeah.
0: When I... Yeah, that's Milan. Roast battle Tom Ballard. Yes, yes. He was very... Uh, <laughs> he was giving me inside dirt on Tom Ballard. He's like, hey, you know Tom's gay. I'm like, no shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what next? Uh, <laughs> you're going to tell me Shaq is black, Milan?
1: Milan is an amazing person. He does... um he's been on this podcast many times or my podcast but not our podcast
0: right this is groundbreaking i don't think anyone's ever done
1: a dual i think a lot of people have oh, okay yeah
0: we're not groundbreaking. well i'm out of the <laughs> loop i'm just getting into the tv show wise guy which hey, did
1: you know there's these things you can put your food in and it'll cook your food really quickly
0: who books it <laughs> Uh, I'm behind the times. I'm literally just getting into that. I
1: know you've got videotapes
0: over there on the shelf. You know, I'm uh, my favorite new group is Weezer. Those Have guys. You
1: watched any of those videotapes? All of them in the last five years.
0: No, I'm not, uh, no, I'm not ignoring you guys, uh, Eric and Stefan. I love you guys. A great rhythm section. Uh, those are all hockey fight tapes.
1: Oh, all fights.
0: Yeah, I used to. Uh, were you a gun? Yeah. Well, when I started playing hockey, I played it like a football player. You know, I was just literally ram guys in the corner and like some of the better players were like, hey, dude, uh, you don't really need to play like that out here. You know, you got to get the ball first.
1: But didn't you play like deck hockey? Yeah. Yeah. And what, you still- de- oh, I was a
0: maniac. Because deck hockey, in the league I play in, you know, there's NHL Do players. You still play? Yeah. Yeah. There's NHL players who play in the summer to keep in shape, so it's a serious league. You tell people deck hockey, they're like, "Oh, you can't skate. Yeah. Come come play in a gold division game." I'm. Not if I grew up in Canada, I would have played in the NHL, but no, I can't to answer your question. I skate. My skating instructor said, "Dude, I love you, Earl, but you skate like Mick Jagger walks." <laughs> I was horrible. But I, have, I'm like Goldberg from the Mighty Ducks. My slap shot is NHL speed.
1: When you play, when you were in high school, did you play any sports?
0: I played uh, one day of high school football. You got to understand that I've been the same size since fourth grade.
1: Oh fuck!
0: I they almost had to take out my pituitary gland because. They thought I was going to be a giant. No, I mean, I was in, in fourth grade. I was six one, you know, not 200 pounds, but I was probably 150.
1: That's the funniest thing you've ever told me. I'm just picturing this fucking giant.
0: Yeah, I, I was a, a giant. And uh, by the way, Eric, can you hook me up with a Gene Simmons vault, for, uh, you know, half off? I'm just trying to work a deal. Gene Simmons has a box set out. Hundred and fifty songs, but but for two grand, if you buy it for two grand, you can uh, go to like a studio and listen to one song with him. <laughs> but for fifty grand, he'll come over to your house and hand deliver it. Shut up, fifty grand, and he'll play like a song or something or whatever. So I'm wondering if Eric can just bring me one over. I'll just give him like five hundred bucks or
1: something. Wow, um, I but, think I, I'm pretty sure I'm Eskimo buddies or Eskimo brothers. With gene simmons
0: i mean in the comedy world that's yeah. why i had to go off the grid for
1: a while you do if you want to avoid the same diseases as every other comedian well i
0: just don't uh you know that's why i had to leave roast battle, take a vacation from roast battle because everyone in the room fucked everyone so i just like yeah. you you literally like i'd be at the haters table and i'd look up and see an Eskimo brother. I'd, I'd look on the stage or someone roasting. I'd go downstairs for a spot. Someone bring me up that had slept with someone I knew. And then I'm bringing up someone. It's just like I had to take it. So
1: a- glad I'm, I've always been out of that though. I always, I would go do my shows and then I would go meet girls outside of the comedy world. Cause I didn't want to be around them. I just, I didn't want that going on, but it happens. Occasionally you do. Um,
0: well, I'm not around anyone but comics.
1: Yeah. See, I, I have comedy is probably 10% of my life.
0: Good for you. And you're still more famous than me. So there you go. Yeah, but I'm, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm not more famous. And, you are though. And I'm obsessive compulsive about everything I do. Like Rogan does everything 110%. I do everything like 75%. So like, that's why he's so great at what he does. And I'm not because he, I watch that guy and if he does something, he masters it. I do something. I enjoy it. But like, I don't have the focus or drive that he has. He's phenomenal.
0: But oh, the, I mean, the
1: fact that he's like, he's like an amazing karate or karate, taekwondo. He was amazing. Jiu jitsu. He's amazing. Archery. He's amazing. Comedy. He's amazing. The guys UFC. He knows more than anyone knows. He, he's, he's a freak cars. He, uh, he's so smart. The guy freaks me out. To the oh, point I mean. where, Like he, it's intimidating. You're like, Oh, you're an outlier. You're, you haven't just learned to master one thing you've mastered like 10 things and I'm the same way, but I just don't master it. I, I get into something, I get into it pretty heavy, right? Like surfing. But this is about you, Earl. This is, this is the beginning part is about you. I want to get through high school. Um, so go to SMC, no sports at high school.
0: Oh, so I, I played one day of uh, high school. Right. And, uh, I remember waiting in line to get our equipment and, uh, I had never seen a child my age bigger than me. Like I literally Is that one? like in grades sc-
1: refrigerator Perry was there?
0: <laughs> Does he book a room? Uh in grade school I was dominating. Like <laughs> I was like Shaq and blue chips. <laughs> Nobody could fucking stop me in any sport. Like <laughs> Did you ever see Blue Chips? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, remember the scene when yeah. Nick Nolte goes in and he go sees...
1: down, like, don't they go down to, like, the th- The
0: Congo or <laughs> something, and Shaq is, like, in this medieval gym dunking <laughs> on, like, these white kids, and that was me in gr- grade school at, at football. We played tackle football on cement. And you would just smash kids. And it would take, like, three or four kids to bring me down, because I wouldn't go down. Yeah. Um, so I just thought, oh, I'll go to Notre Dame and be dominant. And I'm in line and these two black kids are standing next to me. I'm like, what grade are you guys at? They're like, we're freshmen. I'm like, oh fuck, dude. It's gonna be a long day. I mean, they were six, seven, like yeah. you know, and so we in the huddle, I was fucking around, you know, the coach sit, yeah, I was a running back, you know, and I was uh, so you get in the huddle for some reason the coach designated me to give the play instead of the quarterback I still I'm not sure why and uh, you know I get in the huddle I'm like all right guys the uh, play is uh receivers get open <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> so the I didn't last long uh, played one day high school football and then I said where are the golf tryouts
1: you played golf then yeah
0: and I re- really wasn't good good enough to uh, make the golf team but the teacher somehow found out that my dad was a member of Air country club and so he's like oh yeah i'll get this kid on the team so i would take him to play golf
1: (laughs) so you did play there i did play
0: uh and they had this rule like you had to play one match you know every season to like be credited with being i had
1: to put you in the match and then you would fuck it up for everyone so first hole at
0: lakeside which is where we played our, our home matches at notre dame uh i think i shot a ball out of bounds and i broke my putter so for the rest of the eight holes, I had to putt with my driver. So I, I shot like a seven hundred and like
1: what? What? What do you shoot when you play golf?
0: I well, I have to tell this quick caveat. I don't play golf anymore. So my parents uh, moved to Miami in '88. My dad was a, a wild man. He just literally sold the home without telling my mom and just came home and said, "We're moving
1: to Miami." It's my kind of guy. Yeah, he's just like... I wish. I used to be that guy. My wife has beat that all out of me, that everything I do, I run by her. It's awful. I want to go back to being like a crazy man that she's just like, you did what? And I'm like, yeah, we're moving to Alaska. I wish I was still that guy, but she's ruined me.
0: Well, I yeah, but I mean, I think uh, marriages should be, hey, honey, I'm doing this. Yeah, block that. Um, you know, but my dad fun. did not believe. Life,
1: life short, make it exciting.
0: My dad did. Uh, they literally just, uh, and it's one of the most horrifying moments of my life.
1: And they told you they were moving to Florida.
0: No, we had these. We had these three amazing dogs growing up. Mickey, Maddie, and Freddie. Uh, Mickey was the toughest dog I have ever met in my life. I saw Mickey get hit by my neighbor's jaguar, full on. <laughs> My neighbor was a drunk, rich guy. Hit Mickey, and Mickey was about maybe a little taller than Lois, took forty miles an hour head first into this car, rolled under the car, <laughs> got up, didn't <laughs> blink an eye, didn't even hurt him. <laughs> um, so these dogs were we the best. Dog, was it? Just like Lois, three mutts. What is this? I think uh we had a black dog named Tracy. Who went up to Harry Nielsen's house a lot because he had a dog, and I think they fucked. And one night we go to midnight mass. We come back. We kept Tracy in the boiler room. Uh, That's creepy. Well, it was. It, I I remember it very specifically. It was very cold that night, and the boiler room was you know like warm. So we set up Tracy's dog bed in there. We come home from midnight mass, and there was three puppies. Wow. She gave birth to the three. And uh, it was Mickey, Maddie, and Freddie. Freddie died uh, about 86. So it was just Mickey and Maddie. And then when my parents moved the house to Florida, my dad was like, well, you got to take the dogs. And I'm like, well, I'm going to be in an apartment. So I took two, for the most part, pretty healthy dogs to get euthanized. What? i've never told this story before it's actually pretty funny so it's, i and, and, and it haunts me to this day it like, should looking back it would be like literally taking lois right now who's clearly healthy although she's hanging <laughs> off the couch right now With that
1: one snaggled coming out
0: <laughs> got the Billy idol thing uh they were literally in the shape of lois's right now uh so me and my sister virginia we we, we took mickey and uh Maddie to get euthanized why because no one wanted to take them
1: but you could have taken them to like get adopted it's
0: just not how we were raised we were raised just to be like move on uh looking back now i just think i should have just taken them uh the doctor brings them both back out after he euthanized them
1: what the you telling me this story for this is the worst story i've ever heard
0: and i'm like what are you doing he's like oh i thought you wanted to say goodbye i'm like yeah when they were alive and they're stiff as boards you know i mean
1: you just went and gashed your dogs yeah you're like a nazi
0: the jewish nazi
1: you just they were perfectly healthy dogs yes that's illegal i think
0: well yeah. It's probably a couple of things that went on in the Skakel household in the seventies. Uh,
1: my God, this is the worst story I've ever heard, Lois. I need to get you out of here,
0: <laughs> and Lois. We're going. Uh, we're Lois, going somewhere after Lois, this. Come with me. <laughs> but it, it affects me to this day. Like every time I think about, I, I tear up because I loved those dogs, and I, I don't know. Maybe I just was sad about my parents leaving.
1: Why didn't you? Why couldn't you let them live in your apartment?
0: You know. I don't remember at the time why I just didn't think like that, but I just thought, oh, wow, I've I've never lived on my own. Before I'm sad, my parents are leaving me.
1: Why'd your parents want to go to Florida?
0: Well, I'd say it was more my dad. Um, (laughs) Mom was just there for the ride. He had a lot of friends in Florida. He had friends all over the world. Yeah. And there was a golf course there, uh, Indian Creek Country Club, um, where he was like a god. So I think he just wanted to live out his you know, latter half of his life where he was loved which is how i am like i don't go anywhere i'm not loved <laughs>
1: well that's a good thing you shouldn't but i mean i you know like i'm treated 11 i see you there often
0: the um, olympic in la cienega i'm treated like a not a god but like i'm treated very well at the comedy store so you know I, i'm loved there you know uh, the, the roast battle fans love me uh, uh the cartoon fans you know give me love uh so i learned that from my dad you know
1: uh what i think that's a good thing i've tried too many times to um to uh
0: eddie what are you doing you're on facebook live you're checking your phone
1: sorry my uncle's had my uncle just had a cardiac oh shit we'll be getting getting a stent uh
0: This happened once before when Rick Overton was on, and he—the legend of Rick Overton. No, and he got a text saying uh, Gary Shanling died Uh, on air, and like Rick, I good friends. Yeah, and I like there's very few people I respect more than Rick Overton. Rick, he's a good guy. If everyone could be like you, here's what I love about you, and I know we're jumping all over the place. You're the real deal. Like there's no bullshit with you. Like you say what you feel.
1: I can't lie. I try. try I've tried Hollywood fake. I just can't do it.
0: I've tried, uh, now I'm very blunt and honest. It's like,
1: good for your career. If you want to be successful in this business, because people are so sensitive, you have to be, you have to walk on eggshells. Not walk on eggshells. You just have to be very complimentary of everybody. And I just can't do that. I have to be like, I like you, I like you. If I don't, I don't. And you'll see it in me. And I try. Uh, maybe I don't know you. So I give people second and third chances, too. Um,
0: I give people one.
1: No, see, I give people second and third chances. But... Back to you. So brothers and sisters?
0: Two brothers, two sisters. um, They're both all spread out. We all get along. But we were raised like wolves. Yeah. Like we literally, I could count the number of times we ate dinner together on two hands. Right. Like, you know, we literally would get the Mexican cook to, you know, make us whatever dinner was. And I'd go off in the TV room. My sister would go upstairs. My brother would go outside. And, you know, my other brother would, I don't know. Go somewhere else, Dean. My other sisters, same you thing. You say they're all over the place. Like what parts of the world? Uh, I have a sister in the Hollywood Hills, a brother in Malibu. He's like the king of Malibu.
1: How do I not know him?
0: You probably do. He's a big surfer. He's like the Bin Laden of Malibu. He never leaves. Like oh, he's, I like him. That's um, I like to be. Drives a Ford Suburban that looks like something from a monster truck rally.
1: Okay. If uh, I ever see him, oh, yeah. can I go up to him and tell him I'm friends with you? Absolutely. He's. Will he find that funny?
0: He probably will. He's a great guy. He used to get into nightclubs in the '80s as Tom Cruise because he he was uh, is a, a, like an incredibly good-looking guy, and then his appearance now is like a, a, a bouncer and ZZ Top had a baby, like he long hair, long hair, but big beard. I think if I know him, he's like three hundred pounds, but he's like Lois. solid. Lois, Lois is cool. She wants love.
1: Uh, She's afraid of getting gassed.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, what's your brother's name?
0: uh andrew skakel is the brother in malibu jimmy is in uh hood river oregon
1: i was just there
0: okay he's like a very freelance writer uh, you know and my other sister's in squim washington where she's like the mayor or something like she's very involved in squim uh life then my sister caroline's in the hollywood hills is this your brother yes that is my brother
1: (laughs) i think i know your brother I'm not kidding.
0: I bet you do. And Stefan Adika, I don't know where Snake Man is. I hear Vegas. I think some... I
1: know your brother.
0: Oh, he's the best. He's like a cult figure in Malibu. Because he uh, could have been... Uh... <laughs> I don't think Eddie knows Bruce Kulik. You don't know Bruce Kulik, do you? No. A guitar player in Kiss. Uh, some of these fans like to act out. So, uh, you know, we love each other but we uh, you know all live such different lifestyles we we rarely uh talk to each other
1: now who's this one
0: i don't know who that is
1: <laughs> <laughs> i don't oh. all right <laughs> I,
0: I couldn't see my vision's not that good
1: so 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 you decide to go to community college or junior college.
0: I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I, I really wish I started comedy back then. Like, you know, when you see like Chappelle and Chris Rock. Right. start when they were like 16. That's like, I started at 30. So I, yeah, like, I
1: think if I lived in like a city like New York City, I would have started at 16 too. Because that's what I wanted to do. I just didn't know there was a way to do it. And there was a place called the Funny Bone in Pittsburgh. But like, I wasn't driving outside of my neighborhood, away from my high school, you know, till you're like 18 years old. And even then I hadn't found out that there was a comedy club, but if I lived in New York city, you would have seen comedy clubs everywhere realize that that exists. Like I didn't even know the funny bone existed till I was 20, 24 years old. And I had already been to the comedy cellar and I'd been to more comedy clubs in New York city than I had in Pittsburgh. I, I went to all these comedy clubs. And was like, oh, it's a New York thing. And then I found out there was one in Pittsburgh. I was like, what? You're past
0: at the cellar, right? Yeah. I think you're the first uh, guest I've ever had. It's a cellar. Uh,
1: I've been working at the cellar for 20 years. 20 it, years. And that, for those
0: of uh, my our fans, well, I'm sure your fans know, but that is basically like the the East Coast uh, comedy store? I mean, yeah. to a degree? Very similar. Very similar, I'd say.
1: Um, let me ask you this.
0: Um Quick shout out to the Stand in New York. They gave me. They're a good club too. Uh, my club. F- Patrick Milligan gave me my first ever New York City spot.
1: It's a great so club. I'm loyal um, to him. You had to fly there, so you go to. What do you, What do you do when you drop out of junior college?
0: Uh, I became a fitness trainer.
1: Where? You know, For, I used to do it too.
0: I could see it. I didn't know.
1: Yeah, I used to do it. Equinox.
0: It's a great in New York story i it was a family fitness center on pico and uh, roxbury and uh, my first day uh, dean martin's daughter dina martin was my boss what an awful name but it was just so weird like the 6 degrees of separation uh, she's like well stanley's your instructor he'll teach you everything downstairs so i walked downstairs and there's about a six foot two 250 pound black dude asleep on the life cycle <laughs> and i wake oh, him problem. up and uh he had a huge dong you No, know, uh and it was stanley wilson the cincinnati bengals football player who i think the night before the super bowl did a bunch of blow so they suspended him and he couldn't play in the game that's hilarious and so this is how far he fell he was a Instructor at Family Fitness in Beverly Hills. How long
1: did you work at Family Fitness?
0: Uh, Probably three years. And then I went to the Sports Connection, which if you've ever seen that movie, Perfect, with John Travolta, yeah, yeah. uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, That's uh, I oh. went to uh, work the front desk there, and it was wild there. Uh, I mean, all the employees were fucking... The managers would only hire hot chicks. So I don't know. We're just
1: trying to meet hot chicks. That's why. You're yeah. Doing the training.
0: Uh, to be honest with you, the first girl I ever slept with, uh, I met her at uh, Family Fitness, and uh, I, I've, you know, I guess looking back, I guess I, in a bit of a stalkerish move, went to Sports Connection to uh, find her. Yeah, and then I just where, I got a job there. Where did
1: there. you go from family fitness after after your three years of training?
0: Well, I went to Sports Connection.
1: Right, and then what would you do?
0: And then I started private training people. Uh-huh. For how long? Uh, probably six, seven years. Really? But I knew I didn't want to uh, – I had a, a, a tipping point moment, and it's funny, it happened right down the street. There's a gym. I don't know what it's called now, but it's called Workout Warehouse. Right. And it's uh, – like in the West Hollywood. It's kind of a ritzy private training gym. And I saw like a 60 year old trainer there and he just looked miserable. He he basically was like the Argus Hamilton of trainers. And I don't mean that as a shot at Argus, who's like a legend uh, of comedy, but it's like, fuck, I don't want to be 60 years old and be training people. So I finally got in all my friends who were agents and managers like, dude, you're funnier than any of our clients. And they worked at like ICM and right. Like, just get into comedy, we'll help you. Like, you're funny, you'll make it. Right. So, I get into comedy, and most of them leave to get into real estate.
1: <laughs> that is usually a lot of TV people do that. Those fucking because bastards. With the, with the, the reason they get into real estate is because the house doesn't have feelings. Yeah. You know, like when you have to deal with a client and you're trying to sell them and they don't sell, they get they get butthurt. But a house is just going to be like, I'm just a house. And well, they. are the eventually going to sell.
0: Well, I mean, they were gave me the best education ever because I would hang out with these guys, and you know, agents and managers. They worked hundred hour weeks, and they played hundred hour weekends. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they were uh, the biggest bunch of pussy hounds I've ever seen. Yeah, on such a level, and I was the sober one. So I, and I was much bigger back then, muscular. Uh, you know, like I was squatting five, six hundred pounds. Jeez. You're benching three hundred, natural too. Never done roids or anything, so I was a pretty big dude. So they had me around because these guys wouldn't care if they were fucking a married woman. Uh, I remember one time at the Rainbow, we're all we had these guy dinners, and uh, so six or seven of us. All of a sudden, this big titted blonde comes in with these muscle heads and goes, "That's the guy right there." <laughs> Said he was an agent, <laughs> you know, I'm like oh fuck, and he had, one of the guys head butted my friend, and you know. Hey earl spring into action <laughs> uh <laughs> but at rider um i mean uh, uh i i can no i i my reflexes are horribly slow but i can handle myself if i feel threatened like rogan could kill me in literally under 5 seconds yeah, I think
1: you kill everyone in under
0: uh five seconds. his uh friend Tate Fletcher i don't know yeah. if you know Tate Tate very well Tate's awesome uh he could kill me in yeah. two seconds so but if someone were like there have been a few times i've been walking lois around here late night and uh there's some gay bashing that goes on here not a lot but uh you know it's a very gay neighborhood so i'm walking at three or four in the morning they i'm sure it's like let's beat this fag up uh so i you know I, i've had to like
1: act like a tough
0: guy yeah when i thought i was getting jumped or something
1: well okay so when did you start
0: comedy at 30, so I started doing open mics. I remember I went to the comedy store, uh, and uh, Brody Stevens was hosting. Wow. And, and looking back...
1: So how, what year was this?
0: This was uh, probably 2000, maybe 99. Okay. Uh, you didn't
1: start much longer after me, three years.
0: But, man, I wish I started earlier. But, you know, I didn't. So, uh, And I saw Brody make someone cry. Really? Well, This kid had bombed pretty badly
1: i i gathered though that you pretty much stayed in the store almost all
0: no no i i went up there uh i saw brody make this kid cry uh because he, he had bombed pretty badly uh-huh. and uh, this is back in the dark era of the store not yeah what the store is now
1: no it was a scary place
0: like if you go to potluck on monday nights now it's sold out mm-hmm. um most of the comics are all doing really well There's just a lot of funny comics out there now back then it wasn't one or two comics are funny everyone's eating shit and uh brody's like and i can't do an impression of him but he's like hey where are you from man and the guy's like la jolla and brody's like well that drive just got a lot longer (laughs) (laughs) and the kid ran out crying i'm like you know i don't think i'm ready for this place so I think I did one more show there where Bobby Lee was hosting. Yeah. And uh, Bobby Lee gave me the, like, the greatest intro. He, he did, And that's why I'm loyal to Bobby Lee to this day. He's a great guy. Just, we share the same birthday. And uh, he's like, yeah, this next guy, just filmed his Comedy Central special. <laughs> he's great. And I was horrible. Yeah. I admit, and I bombed. And he's like, hey, this guy's going to be a star. <laughs> like, he wasn't mocking me. He was like, and uh, so I'm like, I don't think I'm ready for the store. So where'd you go? Just open mics for probably the next five or six years. Really? And, uh,
1: see, you were different than me. You like had, were much more self-aware where I was just full of ambition, but probably wasn't self. I was like, by three years, I was like, I can headline. <laughs> Oh, I knew that wasn't happening. And I was ready to perform anywhere, anytime, anyhow. You couldn't set a bar high enough that I didn't want to jump over. Which is not good. The only time I've ever checked myself, the only time was uh, after I did my premium blend show, which I did with Bobby Lee. Um, I they offered me a half hour special. They were like, "That was great. We want you to a half hour special." And I was smart enough, or maybe not, maybe it wasn't very smart. I said no. I said, I'm not ready. I was like, I want to do it when I have a good special. And so I waited a few years and I contacted them and said, I want to do my special now. And they were like, nope. And I was like, no, but I'm ready. And then they didn't come back to me for like two more years where they were like, okay, we want you to do a special now. I was like, fuck, I should have just taken it when they gave it to me because this business, I feel you fail upwards. And so it's just a matter of like getting things failing. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, so,
1: so, but I was like, Oh, I want to make it really good. Meanwhile, I worked hard, thought I made it good. No one saw it. You know, so it didn't matter. It's just about credits, not about what you put, the product you put out there. So. Oh, I agree. Um, yeah. So then you did you did open mics for like... Six
0: Five, six years. years, and it probably hindered me because I was treated like a god at these rooms. Like, Because I uh, would... You know, someone came up to me once and said, like, Dude, you're like the Dane Cook of shitholes. Because <laughs> I would... Kill in these rooms because I it was mainly all comics, so I would right. just do like inside jokes that I knew the comics would get. And so then, how
1: are you making an income at the time?
0: Um, uh, well, when my parents passed away, it's, it's kind of a long, like, wacky story, but uh. You know, long story short, uh, the attorney was like, hey, you know, this is Florida law, so uh, there's no state income tax here, but, you know, with the states, uh, you better get it together. Like, you got to buy some land, or, you know, you have to have some non-stock, you know, uh, financial uh, holdings, or you guys are going to all be working at Walmart (laughs) um, to make ends meet. So we uh, ended up uh buying a uh piece of land that uh fortunately for us uh fedex was like we wanna we want that land
1: yeah, so you saw so what'd you do with your money you bring it back here or do you keep it in florida
0: real estate so real estate basically yeah. and then yeah. uh we
1: I, so, so you own stuff you rent it out because we're landlords yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: so uh long story short so i'm very lucky you know, incredibly lucky. So Uh, that
1: allowed you to pursue your career.
0: Yeah. Without having to worry about, Oh my God, I have to, I can't go up tonight. I have to get up at four in the morning tomorrow for a job. Right. Uh, Right. So uh, we all
1: have our little advantages and I had, I struggled for, for so long. And then my sister in New York let me stay with her for free, which was such a fucking help. And then I booked my first big commercial thing, which was, I was, I was, hosting uh shark week and i told her i said hey look i just got a chunk of money i can go out on my own now and she was like no why do that you can stay here so i stayed with my sister for a few years and uh had a very good situation where she took care of me basically and she was working on wall street making some money but you know there were there were good times and bad like even even like giving me free rent for a year, there was still a struggle, you know, living in New York City. Was well, I mean, it was just fucking awful. Um, but there was uh, I I I don't know how some people do it. That I mean, it's
0: well, there's no money in LA comedy. Like no, no. Uh, I mean, I no. mean, I would go my first couple of years. I would go down to San Diego to do this coffee shop gig. This ten minute spot not paid I, I probably I, I, it's incalculable how much money I lost oh, doing yeah. stand-up yeah, like, I
1: wonder I'd, I'd love to break it down to the hours I've put in and how much like how much money I've made and what that boils down to like I probably made like two dollars an hour
0: <laughs> oh my god I mean I can't uh, just on gas money alone because
1: people all think my friends all think that I just like sleep all day and go to the gym and don't do anything and I'm like you have no idea you have no fucking idea how much what I mean, is into it.
0: Oh, my God. I mean, it, it's because in L.A., it's like, uh, you know, to get stage time at any of the three clubs, you have to basically be on TV. Uh, well, and even got, then. You've got TV credits now. What, what, now what, I do. What was your first TV credit? Um, well, my first movie credit I, I got before a TV credit was uh, Nick Swartzen put me in a very quick scene in Benchwarmers.
1: And how were you friends with Nick?
0: Yeah, he was uh, he was friends with my friend Dixon.
1: Dixon uh, Matthews. Yes. Yeah. What's Dixon do now?
0: I know uh, Dixon, uh, I, I wouldn't say I got him the job, uh, but my ex-girlfriend who is co-manager of the band Motorhead, um, he basically became Lemmy's assistant. Oh, wow. If you see the uh, documentary uh, with Lemmy and Dave Grohl, you see Dixon in a lot of the scenes. Um, but uh, Dixon had recommended me... To Nick. So
1: Dixon's just with them all the time? Well, let me
0: pass away, uh, I think, two, a year and a half ago, two years ago. So uh, I think he's a chef now or something. Really? Which is one of the bummers I don't like about comedy. is like me and Dixon used to be great friends. And we still are. But we you know, we just ran into different Where circles. Where does he live now? I think, uh, like, Koreatown. No, so he's, he's got two here. kids. Wife. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, kids
1: will take you out of the loop, though. That oh, is, absolutely. I mean, it's impossible to, like... Um,
0: uh, it's just the it's windy it's the door but it's like the ball hockey league I play in uh, in the mid 90s there was close to 200 teams uh, now there's 30 and uh, it's just guys got married kids yeah, yeah, that, you it know takes,
1: it takes you out when did the glasses when did you get those glasses
0: I've always I've um, always had them. i have a st- severe stigmatism uh but why so.
1: that that style of glasses it's um, very different than everyone else's
0: i think when i was a kid my one of the movies i gravitated to in 1978 i can remember where i saw it the crest theater on uh, westwood boulevard was the buddy holly story
1: oh and you like buddy's glasses The and gary like, Busey buddy's glasses
0: well, I became a huge Gary Busey fan, and it's really weird, because I'm sure you're going to know this. I'm
1: trying to get Gary Busey on my podcast really bad. I've tried. It's really hard, huh? Well, because... It's hard to track down.
0: Well, probably my favorite movie of all time, but of any movie. Big Wednesday? Yes. Because I think it's such a great story. John Milius basically wrote it about his childhood right. in Malibu, yep. um, and... Uh, you know, I just, I'm not a surfer. I've never surfed in my life. But I just, that movie, I remember seeing that at the Man National in Westwood, which was like the big theater back then. And it was me and my two brothers, and that's it.
1: Yeah, Gary Busey, we're trying to get on the bingle bus. And uh, it's, it's like my most coveted guest that I've wanted.
0: Oh, he's like. I,
1: I'll drive, I know he lives in Malibu somewhere. I'll drive to his house, park in his driveway, and do the show. Well, oh, he's a Gary, dream. G- Gary, if you're out there. Or anybody listening to this, please tweet Gary Busey and tell him to get on the Bingle bus.
0: Because he's like the ideal podcast guest. Oh, yes, he's best, famous.
1: The best ever. My a, a friend of mine, Adam De La Pena, who um has been on the Bingle uh, on Talking Shit a number of times, it's a really funny guy. He's a director, writer, producer, uh star of a show. He did a show on Comedy Central called Me and Gary Busey. Oh, okay. Where he goes, I just went in and pitched to them. I was like, uh, so it's gonna be me. And Gary Busey and we're going to do crazy shit that Gary thinks up. And they were like, sounds brilliant. And he sold the show and he got like two seasons or something. I don't know. And he and Gary just, he goes, it was crazy. gary be like, okay, here's what we're going to do, brother. Uh, we're going to go to the back of my house. I got a cliff there and we're just going to tie ropes to a tree and we're going to hang from the ropes for as long as we can. We'll just hang out there on the cliff and that we'll do that for an episode. And he's like, "Okay,
0: yeah, why not?" And he's like, "All
1: right, brother, here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna go down to a shopping center, just you and I, and uh, we're gonna sit outside in shopping carts. And when people come in, we're gonna uh, we're gonna throw uh, Duraflame logs on the ground and just tell them to jump over them like they're on Frogger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like okay, let's let's do this thing.
0: I mean, that's what." I would be a horrible TV executive. I'd be like, who's going to watch that? And yeah. I got two seasons. Well, I think it got canceled, but I mean, I, like, you know, that show big brother that's on yeah, now.
1: I would be a horrible cause I, I, I obviously, I think I have good taste, but I obviously have horrible taste. No, no. I might still have good taste, but I have horrible eye for what's commercially viable because the things I like don't ever do well. I I thought i discovered this band the other day, not the other day, like about a year ago that I fell in love with. I think it's called Nako and medicine for the people. I just loved it. And I played it for Kevin and bean at, I was doing Kevin and bean the other day and they're like, this is world music. And I was like, I don't know what it is. I like it. And they're like, you like this? And I was like, yeah, I love this. And they were like, and I just realized they're so mainstream. I was like, geez, I just suck. Like, I don't know anything that, well, I just just like, what just like?
0: Well, I mean, there was a band, and you, we could probably have this conversation with comics too. But there was a band called the Click Five, and they were a boy band out of Boston, uh, about 2005 2006. And I thought this is the next big group because they all played their own instruments. They were like the Cars meet the Backstreet Boys.
1: I like that when everybody plays their. I watched the. Uh, I hung out with friends Ferdinand for a whole weekend once. Like they came to my mm-hmm. shows, I went to their shows. And, um, I watched them all like switch instruments and I was like, this is great. This is so cool that they're all so multi-talented. And meanwhile, they were, uh, they were opening for like David Guetta, like some DJ who was plugging in an iPod and they were so talented. Um, so wait, so where does it go for here for, for Earl? You're not doing the Rose Battle anymore. I took a vacation from it. Took a vacation from the roast battle,
0: uh, but uh, you know it, it's uh, how I feel about roast battle is uh, and this might not be the best analogy, but it, it's like a girlfriend that cheated on me, but I'm still in love with because it's given me everything. Right. I mean, uh, Brian Moses,
1: Brian's he, a great dude.
0: He didn't need a sidekick, but he you know he could have done it by himself, and he was very gracious to let me be basically He's his sidekick. A really
1: good guy. When he first had me come on the show and do it, I was like, how do I know this dude? And he told me, he goes, Oh man, you used to come down to San Diego. I would go do this gig called moon i I just do there. Cause there was lots of girls there and it was just like a bomb fest. He's like, you were hilarious. How bad you bombed down there. And he's like, he goes, I'll never forget the time you wouldn't get off stage till they gave you a standing ovation. They were booing you and you go, I'm not leaving till I get a full standing ovation from the entire room. <laughs> because they all stood up to make you leave. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, he was just, he's a really good guy. I like him a lot. That's a tough show, though. Being You know what's tough is being a judge. Because when you're judging, you're winging it all the time.
0: Well, you cost me a win, you bastard.
1: I didn't know it was so important to people.
0: I well, at the all, time it was. Because that I was. I didn't realize. Before the TV show. had. had uh, I
1: thought it was all a big joke.
0: So like me, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, well, now I don't think the rankings, you know, they have rankings and stuff. It's like they don't mean, to me, they don't mean much. But like. Uh, But I'm very loyal to the show. How many people
1: would you say are the core of that show that are involved in like filming it, keeping notes on it, scoring it, you know? I
0: mean, I would say, I mean, obviously Moses, he's been there from day one. I mean... I was there from day one until I left. But I'm saying, are there 10, 20? I, I would people? say, but it's it's hard. Like, I can only answer, like, then you have the Wave who've been there from pretty much day one. So that's three guys. Uh, You know, Jeff was there, I think. So of these, like. Maybe 15.
1: Say, so of these 15, how many of them are making money from it?
0: You know, that I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Uh, I'm, just
1: saying, I'm trying to figure out how, like, if this thing has growth, if it has staying power if it has i mean i see it's branching off into other countries
0: well i think it does as long as the battles are good like you know that's what you know sells the show is like two people cutting into each other and uh i mean to me i think it's important that the battlers know each other you know because i think some of the battles and like you know in my season in montreal uh a lot of the battles worked. A few didn't because they didn't know each other. So it's just generic. Like you and I would be a great battle because we know each other. Right. Oh, Earl's Kennedy there. Yeah. Oh, he dated. That was
1: the whole purpose of this today was for right. me to get to know you better so that I can roast you someday. What
0: I do. Well, that's what I do. Like when I battle someone, I research the shit out of them. Like I'm a maniac. I might have other people write the jokes. But if you had an abortion 20 years ago, I'll find out about it. <laughs> And I'll interview the fucking doctor, <laughs> uh, but I'm obsessive compulsive. Like uh, for Tom Ballard, I was given—you uh, you found know, out he was gay. Well, yeah, I mean, I knew that anyway. <laughs> but but I was that was a risky battle for me because I'm like, well, fuck, he's a great comic, so I can't really critique his career. Did you beat him. I did. Okay, but it was a tough battle. I mean, the the one that uh, you know, and Kevin Hart was a judge, so I'm like, fuck, I'm going to do this racial joke. I hope it hits. And I was, Kevin
1: probably loved it.
0: Well, I don't know him, so it's like you know, I don't want him to think I'm racist or whatever. So I'm like, uh, <laughs> "Tom Bowler's gay, so he's taken more shots to the back than Kevin's unarmed cousin." <laughs> 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 and Kevin Hart just looked at me like, "You're an idiot." <laughs> and uh, that's
1: a good that's a good joke. I mean, it, but you know, it's short. And- What's your best roast joke of all time?
0: you think i would say um when i battled uh, uh, a friend and um i uh they had hit me with a really good joke uh-huh. and i said well uh your breath is so bad that it smells like you brush your teeth with your pussy <laughs> <laughs> that's a great joke you know it, it and it, it won me the battle and and uh, they were a very tough opponent because
1: my favorite jokes are the quick ones like that well that's all i do that's L- that's all you should do all these people but every once in a while there's somebody that comes in with like an interesting dynamic and i like to roast battle a lot it's really fun
0: oh it's given me everything like it literally is the only reason i
1: i would like to do it to roast some- You'd be and, great at but it. My problem is that I feel like I have everything to lose and nothing to gain.
0: Well, no. Cause see, I think you have everything to gain because, uh, you know, if, if you lose, you don't really roast battle a lot. So yeah. there's no, like, pressure on you. Uh, you're headlining all over the world. It's not going to affect you in that regard. Um, I think you only benefit from it. like. Uh, Someone like me, you know, the pressure to not lose or be embarrassed is higher because I'm, you know, whatever the word is, a little more unknown than you are or whatever. So it's like I'm so tied to Roast Battle. If I get killed, it's like, oh, well, he sucks. So I've luckily never gotten killed.
1: So what is your plan? If you're not, if you're taking a break from Roast Battle, what is the career goal of? doesn't seem like you have a master plan.
0: I mean, I get a sexual high from doing stand up, but I also realize that to play in front of bigger crowds, you have to be on TV. It almost doesn't really matter what the show is. They just as you know, mm-hmm. clubs just want to say I mean yeah. screech.
1: They're not they're not comedy clubs, they're famous clubs. They want famous, they don't care about comedy. Right. Jazz clubs want jazz. They want really good jazz. Comedy clubs want really famous people. And I get it. So
0: uh, you know, the the cartoon, the jellies helps. Yep. Um and that that fan base is exactly one of the
1: voices on there.
0: I'm the dad okay. of Tyler, the creator, but that's like the ideal fan base for me. Those Adult Swim, right? They're yeah, probably they're the best. Nineteen to thirty-five, yeah, the best.
1: If anyone, anyone that watches, I mean, that's ultimately, I think, where we all like. I watch Comedy Central, and I'm like, eh. and then I watch Adult Swim, and I'm like, oh, here's where funny people are, you know, like. Well, I mean,
0: Comedy Central is important to me because through Roast Battle, I'm known on that channel for once. I mean, you know, to go, you know, 13, 14 years with nothing other than bench warmers and then to be on Comedy Central five nights and six days. I
1: can't believe you stuck with it that much without, like, I have to constantly feel like shit's happening or I'm just like, I do love stand up. Like, I tell everybody, I ultimately would like to have just like, like passive income, like some just amazing amount of like inherited wealth or something that I could have money in the bank and just go down to like the comedy cellar five nights a week and go in and just do my stand up without a care in the world. I would love that. But I'm in a position where it's like, I got a mortgage, you know, I I got a kid, I got school, you know, and I got to pay the shit that it's just like, and I, there's so many times that I compromise that I'm doing jokes I don't want to do i'm like oh this will pay the bills i was like fuck i never want to be in this position i wish i was independently wealthy and i could go i'm just gonna do the fucking cellar every night and do comedy that i think is funny instead of pandering every once in a while so um
0: well that reminds me of a reddit review about me uh i think it was after my battle at with jimmy carr this guy he's just opie and anthony fan he's like can someone please explain to me earl Scakel? because i just don't think he's funny he seems like the type of guy who hangs out at the comedy store because he's rich and doesn't have to work and yells out faggot and n-word uh and i was like wow this guy's got me pegged uh <laughs> <laughs> But I get what you mean. Like with roast battle originally, that's not my normal sense of humor. Like I roast myself and my act. Like oh, you I, do? I talk about what a loser I am. Like in eighties metal, and yeah. and I'm Have very. Have you
1: ever gone on the metal show with Jim Florentine and um, what's Eddie name? Trunk? No, um, the other one, Don
0: Jameson, Don Jameson Yeah, I would love to. Uh, yeah, you should do their show. Uh, oh, I would love to. Do you know Jim at all? Um, I've met him a few
1: times. He's one of the best guys in the world.
0: Um. But, like, with Roast Battle, like kind of, not sold out, but I felt like an 80s metal, you know, like C.C. DeVille
1: from Poison, Pink. Speaking of which, we just mentioned a bunch of comics. Um, do you, sorry to interrupt. No, no, dude, it's our podcast. Uh, when you, do people call you or message you when you're on a podcast, like when you're mentioned or talked about? Not really. Me neither. I think people, I've had it, Stan Hope and uh, someone were talking, Bert Kreischer were talking about it, calling it it a pod call when someone messages you or talks about you. Somebody should say, like, you should get a tweet that says hashtag pod call at like like, 12.03 on the, you know. That'd be great. Because I wonder, like, I talk openly about a lot of comedians. Like, I don't hold back. And- I always wondered, did they find out I did? Or is this just talking behind their backs?
0: I, well, I mean, I know, like, uh, Rogan's a big roast battle fan, and he when he mentions my name, because uh, he was the judge uh, when I battled Jesse Joyce, like, I get 100 followers. Yeah. Like, I find out, like, hey, a joke. Right,
1: but, I mean, you'll hear a Rogan. Or you'll hear someone really big. Like, Howard Stern mentioned me a few times, and I would get calls. like Right. You, you were, Howard Stern was talking about you today. But I I don't hear, like... Hey, they mentioned you on the crab feast today. Right? and then part of me just goes, I guess no one ever talks about me. But uh, like we just talked about Jim Florentine, I'm like, I don't know if Jim will ever know that you know, like hear that and go, hey, I should have Earl Skakel on the metal show.
0: I oh, I would love to because we like uh, we had a great conversation uh, at the comedy store one night about Vinnie Vincent, who I mean uh, I'm obsessed with. Uh, you know, he was the guitar player in Kiss after they kicked out Ace. They kicked him out three times in two years because he was such a maniac. And then he forms the Vinnie Vincent Invasion, gets kicked out of that, disappears for 25 years, comes back like a month ago in uh, Atlanta at a Kiss convention, has a woman. Oh,
1: I heard this story.
0: But he's so musically talented. Like, I don't care what he is. But I'm a little sore at him because I think about 10 years ago he put out a box set on cassette, which... Shows you right there. It's I paid 150 bucks for it. I get the box set in the mail. I'm like, this feels a little light, and I shake it. Like I, nothing's moving around in there. I open it up. There's nothing in it. He ripped off like all his fans.
1: Why would he do that?
0: So now he's trying to like backtrack, and you know, at the convention last month, he's like, "Well, yeah, you know, he bullshit his way out." I, was I did like,
1: that with. Uh, I did that with. Um, The bingle show, you know, like I had a lot of rewards to give for the Kickstarter and we raised like $60,000 and people, t-shirts, like posters, everything. And we got out a lot of them, but a lot of them we didn't, especially people overseas because it's paying the ass to ship. We didn't know when we got into it that like you pay $25, you get a t-shirt and a poster. Well, the poster costs $3 to make the t-shirt costs $7 to make. And then the ship, it cost $15 to make it. I'm like, we just, their donation just paid for it. Like we didn't make any money right. on it. So my whole thing was I should get the show made and up. Cause that's what they want. And then as I make profit in the future, then I get them all their stuff. So like a lot of people did not get their shit. And they're like, Hey man, where's my fucking shit? And I'm like, you're going to get it. So I'm, I'm not giving up on the show because I owe you guys, but the show's put me in such fucking debt with how much the bus is broken down. Things have gotten wrong. The rats ate all the wiring. The tour, you know, cost tons of money. The, you know, all the, and now we're doing this thing called Bingle Fest. I'm doing a festival out in Monroe, Washington, July 13th, 14th, 15th. You're more than welcome to come perform. You'd have to fly there. I know you have an excuse. Uh, but it's on this farm. <laughs> that is uh has like mini houses tree houses a bubble house um i'll show you a video i, think I we'll would know. love to there's pigs in dresses uh maybe we'll have a little mini roast battle one night well, well you gotta clear that
0: with moses though because like i i don't want I, yeah. you know roast battle has oh,
1: so- i mean we'll invite moses
0: oh absolutely we'll have uh, i gotta pee real fast keep talking i can't talk while you're peeing no, no, just so... I'll keep plugging. Got yeah, it. keep plugging. Where can people find the Bengal podcast? i yeah, Uh going to go soon. I, I know, but I'm, I'm going to pee. Uh, right.
1: I, I'm so late. I got to go. I
0: know. How, how much time can you give me? 20 minutes. All right, We got 20 minutes. Plug away.
1: Okay, so I'm... Uh, okay, so we're having this... This is kind of weird and awkward because I'm... Okay, let me tell you about Earl's podcast. Keep talking. So the Bengal... It's called Bengal Fest 2018. It's going to be Yeah. Uh-huh. So the festival is going to be it. Um, it's just going to be a whole bunch of us at, uh having fun, drinking, smoking. It's free beer, free. I can't say free weed, but uh, there's there's going to be free weed.
0: Sorry uh, about that. I, okay. You don't get that on Joe Rogan's podcast yeah. where Joe's like, I got to pee. I'll be right back. No,
1: I do it. All, I used to do it on my show all the time because I'd be drunk all the time. But uh we're going to have podcasting, comedy. We've got bands playing. There's a stage, like a real stage being built. You know, with there's Portageons, bathroom. Well, we have one shower. One shower. 50 tickets are going on sale on March 2nd. 50. That's it. Tents. Everybody's camping. How are you going to make money? We're not making a dollar. In fact, I'm losing more money, but it's just going to be the fucking best party ever. It's going to be crazy. We got a slip and slide. There's an inflatable house that everybody just gets high in. It's an inflatable house. Like it's, you're going to get hot boxed when you walk into it. Uh, I don't mind hot that. Tub. There's pigs with dresses and donkeys. and
0: I'm not going fireworks. into a hot tub.
1: Craig, Craig Conant's going to be there. Joe Prano's going to be there. Lachlan Patterson's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Gene Pompa says he might come. Yoshi Obayashi's going to be there. I'd love to have Earl Skakel there.
0: I'm in. I'm already confirmed. Are you really? Yeah. I'll put you
1: on the poster. Oh, I'm in. Earl Skakel's there. So um, we. it's going to be a really fucking fun time. There's tree houses. I'll show you these tree. It looks like an Ewok village. Now, where are people staying? Like, so people are bringing tents. It'll be like a camp out, like a festival. And we have uh, the coffee girls are topless in the morning. Uh, the... Uh, you know, who knows what kind of show they could put on later? Uh, it's it's going to be one of the. I look at all the shit I've done in my career. It's not the TV shows I've been on, or it's usually the antics, the stories that I've been involved in that make me the happiest. So I'm just hoping this is like a weekend of crazy fucking stories.
0: All right now, my iPad's about to shut down. Uh, we're gonna continue the last 15 minutes off air so you got to listen to it is uh anybody watching it yeah yeah it's like 50 people in chat. Oh, so nice. uh eddie if where can people find you eddie on I'm social at, media
1: i'm at eddief.com is where you're gonna buy tickets to the show and all my tickets i'm on tour all over the country right now and i'm at eddie if on all kinds of social media
0: follow eddie he's the real deal we're going to talk for about another 10 minutes uh this will be out as soon as i edit it uh it's a dual podcast so uh it'll be on eddie's site my site and that uh, deal with it inappropriate earl the bengal show we'll see you later facebook all right now you've been successful in stand-up for a long time what is the secret to being successful in this business?
1: I, I'm hypercritical, so I could never call myself successful. Um, it, I believe it's all relative. So I don't consider myself successful. It's probably a problem I have, um, where some people would say you are successful and they'd get mad at me for saying I'm not successful. But in my honest opinion, and some people say I'm arrogant, some people say I'm humble, um, I just see myself as like, I still haven't gotten a break. Um, like I do not think highly of my act, but I think like I'm confident in what I do, but I just feel like I haven't got a break. So to reach the level that I am, I can tell you that the secret is, um, and I hate to admit it because I used to say, I used to hate to hear Kevin Hart talk about how hard he worked. Cause I'm like, it's not what comedy's about. Comedy's about being funny. It's not about hard work. Like the people, if you're a hard worker, you sat in the front of the room. If you were a shithead, like class clown, you sat in the back of the room and didn't work hard. That was me. So, like the whole, yeah, me too. So, I hated this whole thing of like where the guys that sat in the front of the room, oh, teacher, me, 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 all of a sudden became the successful ones. And I can, I, I'm not gonna name them here, but they, we know there's a lot of comedians out there that are front of the room, front of the front row, raising their hands that have become super successful because they've mastered the marketing they haven't they're they're still not funny but they've mastered the marketing but what they should have done was use their marketing skills to market the guy in the back of the row the back row right because he's the naturally talented one and those guys in the front it sucks but i tried to just be the back row guy forever and i was like "Ah, i'm funny they're gonna just get and it didn't so i had to move up to the front and start raising my hand and like. I also find enjoyment in doing like projects like this where I'm just like, I'm just going to do shit. Like I'm doing a charity show right now that around the country for all these, like I do CrossFit and I get all these CrossFit gyms getting involved. And I, I like doing shit. Like I need, I I need to keep busy my mind. If I'm, when I see someone sitting on a beach relaxing, (laughs) I want to, I want to go up and kick them in the face. I'm like, what's wrong with you? How can you do this? I need to be move, 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 move. That's why I go to the beach and I surf. Right. And as soon as I'm done surfing, I'm like, all right, time to go home. Everybody's like, well, let's hang on the beach. I'm like, there's no hanging. Yeah. <laughs> like I got to get the fuck out of here.
0: You're right. Sandusky jokes.
1: Yeah, I got to go. Yeah, exactly. I, I had some good Sandusky jokes.
0: Well, they're bringing that, you know, HBO, just the HBO has got some good shit coming down. They got an Andre, the giant documentary that crashing. looks amazing. Crashing. Uh, that's a great show. Judd Apatow. Yeah. Didn't vote for me in Montreal, but that's all good. Uh, and they have uh, the Joe Paterno story coming.
1: I'm going to be driving home in the worst traffic ever. Oh, horrible. Friday afternoon traffic, leaving Hollywood, going out to... To
0: Malibu. I mean, hey,
1: really... Hey, hey, we don't have to say... It. I don't really live in Malibu. I live in... I call it Malabasas.
0: Right. Okay, that's cool. Well, I mean, let's uh, wrap this up with the the several thoughts. Uh, what's next for Eddie Ift? I mean...
1: I, honestly, I, I'm working on three things this year. Uh, One is I'm trying to put together the best hour I can put together to film it, make, I hate to use the word special because everyone has one. They're not specials. They're called comedy albums and you just do a video. Uh, I don't like to call it special, Um, but I'm doing special. Um, So I want to do the best hour I can possibly do. I want to.
0: How do you go about putting that hour? Like, like. So. Do you sit there in a room and like, like when I was with Rob Schneider, he would literally have hundreds of uh, three by five cards in yeah. the order he wanted them.
1: Yeah. I so I do three by five cards. I do. I usually just kind of wing it, um, but the problem is, I, and I'm not trying to say I'm prolific, but I do write a lot of. Material. I don't probably don't refine it enough, but I write a lot of like ideas and concepts and, and I perform a lot. I'm on stage a lot. So I'll make these jokes and then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll try to refine them But That's what I need to get more into is the refining or it'll work one night and then I do it differently. The next thing it doesn't work. And I get to go back to remember or write down after I go on. So I'll kind of outline what's going to be the arc of my show. What is it going to be? What are the topics I'm going to hit? And then within each of these topics, what are the jokes within? And how do I make them seamlessly go from one to the other where there's a beginning, middle, end of the show. And I'm very topical. I talk about like right now I'm talking about sexual harassment, gun control, healthcare. Like it's mostly like political things, but also how they tie into me personally. Like what are my experiences with this and having a child and where I am in my life and censorship and free speech. And so, um, So I'll build that special and then I'll put it on film. Like I'm filming tomorrow night at the ice house in Pasadena and I'll film it and then I'll have some people look at it and then I'll say, is it ready? And then we'll kind of work on it a little, maybe film it a couple more times, then take it out and try to get somebody to pay to make one right? like a Netflix or something. That is my goal this year is to have someone put an hour out. I don't know what medium, if it's going to be Netflix or a, hbo or a you know comedy central or uh you know one of the, the amazon or hulu or whoever the fuck it is but i want to get one of those and i'm working right now with a company called vertigo films on trying they're a film production company tv company and they're making they make tv shows and 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 films and they want to develop a sitcom based on my life with uh my uh, in-laws you know my father-in-law is a former NFL football player and my mother-in-law's got a real interesting background. And, um, so, uh, I want to get the deal because even though you get a deal, doesn't mean it's ever getting on the air or even written, you know, but I'd like to start off with the deal then my next goal will be get it written. Next one will be like, get it shot. Next one will be get it picked up by a network, but it's one step at a time. And this year I'm devoting like, I'm actually pursuing it more than I ever have. Right. Like the times I've had them before, it kind of fell in my lap. This one, I'm working. I'm like talking to today. I was on with a writer and talked to a showrunner today and really trying to make it happen. Because having a kid, nothing forces you to fucking work hard. Right. By finding out your wife just put your kid in private school, you know.
0: Which is big money. I mean, I know... For Notre Dame high in the mid 80s, it was like three to four grand a year. I, I hear it's as much as 20 now.
1: My, I bet it's close to 30. My daughter's three and her preschool costs more than it cost me to go to college.
0: That's crazy. I mean, I bet she has computers full, like full iPads. No,
1: it's more, they're all fucking hippy dippy, but it's just expensive. It's like, I don't know. But um, so that's it. Those are the two things I'm really working on. A couple other things. I might do a TV spot. I never do TV spots. because I never want to work at them because I don't think they amount to anything. But I just kind of feel like I have to. So <laughs> I'm going to try to do a Conan or a Tonight right. Show this year.
0: That's what I want yeah. this year.
1: Really? Well, I know how to do it. You need to get yourself into the Comedy and Magic Club and get down there every week and work on your five minutes in front right. of that audience.
0: Because that's a great tape. Uh, if it's you-
1: not just a great tape. It's a great audience to... Uh, be a gauge of how's this going to do across the country
0: because it's uh, what would you say the audience there is uh, America, but very you can't really go too dirty there. Yeah, you can't
1: do dirty at all. Um, they don't like dirty. Yeah, so, so you're doing your TV set, right? But um, yeah, I'd like to see you on one of those shows.
0: But I mean, I think I, uh, I think a lot of people think if they get on a Kimmel or a Conan or whatever, it's going to make them famous. It's not going to do anything. No, it's, it's not- but it's a good. Like I, for in my case, I go okay. I've been on roast battle. I'm on a cartoon. I'm on. I'm dying up here. And here's me doing Kimmel. I, so it's a nice
1: step. It's the old. The only reason I want to do it is because I've done stand up on TV a whole bunch, but I've never done a late night talk show. And I feel like I have to. Like, right. It's almost like what you never did Conan or Letterman or The Tonight Show, and I feel like I just. Have to do it, and it's weird that it's eluded me. But it, I never pursued it ever, really, until now. And I also am not that style of comic. I'm a little more edgy and raunchy, and I'm also not. But um, but um, but but It's more of like buy into my story, my personality, and go for this ride with me. And that's ba-dum-ch, ba-dum-ch, ba-dum-ch. Right. and so I'm kind of having to change it up, but but I feel like I'm versatile enough. I'm like I should fucking be able to do this. Sure, you know. So so uh, I'm working on it. Um, now it's just a matter of you know the games they all play, the gatekeepers.
0: Oh, I know. It's like that's a part of the business I don't like, but you know that going in, so can't really complain about it. Pod
1: call Michael Cox at the
0: Fallon Show. Oh, hey, Michael. Big fan. Yeah,
1: huge fan.
0: Never met you, but like... Uh, yeah,
1: he's a good dude. I've known Michael forever.
0: But I mean, I think, you know, it's a good... Uh, you know, I think people hear the story of David Brenner doing The Tonight Show, and he, he said he had road work for a year the next morning. Doesn't and, happen anyway. Right, because it's yeah, like... That yeah. was the only show on that did stand-up. Yeah. yeah. So that's why you, you got... Living in a different world.
1: Yeah, it's like what, there's YouTube. It's like there. everybody thinks if you're... On Rogan all the time, you are going to be a big star because it happened for Bert and Tom and Ari, and uh, but there's guys that are on Rogan a lot that it didn't happen for. Right. You know, so it's that's not a sure thing. I mean, you have to be on there and be funny and be entertaining and have the audience want to see you. But Rogan, I think, is a better. In my opinion, there's nothing better you can go on to advance your career. Oh yeah, I mean. There were other weird things like if you hosted talk soup, that was like a way to really launch a career. Um, SNL's always been a good one. Um, Rogan, Chelsea lately right. for a while was really making career, but now it's a matter of what's the next thing. So it's a lot of luck too, of just being around and being part of the next big thing. Yeah, oh yeah, like you know. And that is women, and gays.
0: No. But me too.
1: I was gonna name my new album "Women and Black People."
0: uh oh, watch out. All right, well, Eddie, I know you got to go home to beat the traffic.
1: I have to go swim.
0: You have to swim. We're probably, along with Rogan, maybe the only three comics who work out.
1: There's a few of us. Not many. More and more people are. I'm I weird. I'm weird, though. Like I try to run one day a week. I try to mountain bike one day a week. I uh, swim one day a week. I strength train three days a week, three to four, and I CrossFit. Three days a week so that sounds like a lot of days but like i'll do a strength with either one of those and and a crossfit like like i might do a strength and a crossfit i might do a strength and a mountain bike i might do a strength. right so i do and then on top of that sometimes i go for big hikes or surfs so i feel like i have a a little bit of an exercise problem
0: on the same way, I'm doing the elliptical or hot yoga 7 days a week.
1: Do you really 7?
0: I love it. hot yoga saved my life. Really? Uh, I mean I wasn't like suicidal or anything, but like
1: so many people should do yoga. Are you I, so, are you so flexible now?
0: I'm getting there. I I take a you know, here's a pod called Nicole Avendano at Hot Eight Yoga. It's like the most amazing teacher.
1: Well, let me ask you because I'm I'm not very flexible and I work on my stability and mobility all the time. This is funny because I do a podcast called Wodcast Podcast Podcast. sounds like we're doing it right now. I'm not – one of the things that I try to tell people as you get older, it's almost more important than strength or cardio, is your stability. And I do a lot of crossover symmetry stuff for my shoulders to keep them stable because of all the surfing I do. But my flexibility has just gone out the fucking window. And – like I tore my groin muscle recently and I want to get that flexibility. And I feel like, do I have to fucking go do yoga all the time?
0: I mean, uh, to see some of the poses, Nicole puts her, her body into. But she,
1: Are you, do you feel like, How long you've been doing yoga?
0: A, uh, a little over a year.
1: And do you feel like it's made a massive difference?
0: I feel it's got me in great shape. Uh, I probably lost 20 pounds unintentionally. I didn't want to lose weight It just, you know, I, I'm, Total, when I get into something, it's almost like a broken... What about
1: the flexibility?
0: Yes, I'm more flexible. I'm still not very flexible, but I'm definitely, from a year ago, more flexible.
1: Because I also feel like I could do probably some just like super active stretching. I'm, I don't mean, a, a, well, active, opposed to, st- like, I mean like static stretching. Right. Where I'd really, really work on my stretch, not my yoga poses, because I'm not into that like, breathe. Okay, let all your problems go away. You're a tree in the forest, you're alone. Breathe out, bring the oxygen in. I'm I just want to fucking hold and hold so that my hamstrings are looser. I want um, right. that shit. Well, I mean Nicole's
0: uh and I'm sure it's other teachers too, but like when we do the frog squat, which is basically a a wider version of a catcher's stance. Yeah. She'll be like, okay, everyone. And she's such a diminutive girl, but, and she speaks really softly. Like, well, if you want to be in the proper position, just make sure your asshole is puckering the ground. And it really... Says that? Yeah, it actually helps you think like... Get a boner. Oh, she. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, th- that's what I love about... It's so unlike stand-up. Like, you know, you go to the comedy store. I don't know what it's like at the cellar, but I'm sure it's similar, where everyone's sizing each other up. Okay, is he talking to Chappelle? Is she talking to... Uh, Jeff Ross is he talking to you? Know I
1: hate that about this business. But
0: yoga, it's the complete opposite. Like I'm the worst one in my class, and nobody cares. Yeah, D- they're doing their own thing. They don't yeah. care if I fall yeah. out of a tree, and well, I love
1: that. Well, comedy clubs are funny because if you have social anxiety, never become a comedian. Never go to because it'll make it ten times worse. Like I like a party when there's no pressure and it's just like, hey, I'm just gonna dr- comfortable and have fun. I hate a party. When it's like you feel – I went to a party the other day for this guy. Uh, this girl wrote a uh, yoga chick. She owns Five Point Yoga in Malibu. She wrote a paleo cookbook, and we went to her party, and I didn't know anyone. And I didn't give a shit, but there is this little bit of you of like, well, what do I do? Do I just start talking to people, or do I just sit here and eat all the food? And I was like, I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. And uh, I ate some food, and then I met Greg Luganus.
0: The, the great <laughs> go for the gold
1: speaking of puckered assholes uh, uh, he goes some guy introduced him he's like hey this is Greg Luganus. and I was like if he knew how many jokes I've oh, no. made
0: go for the gold
1: but uh do you remember the best Greg Luganus joke I mean <laughs> the best one I ever heard was Greg did you hear Greg Luganus has AIDS and he's going to and he's about to die and you're like no I didn't know that and they're like Yeah, turns out the the gerbil popped his head out of his ass and saw a shadow. Oh, I'm fucking up the joke. I fucked up the joke. Come on, man. If you're going to do
0: an AIDS joke, do it correctly.
1: Some guy at a country club, like the bartender at a country club, told me this. He said, did you hear Greg is has AIDS and is going to die in six weeks? And I was like, oh, that's terrible. And he's like, yeah. (laughs) He turns out... The gerbil popped his head out of his ass and saw his shadow. That is such a well-written joke. And I don't mean it, it's like tragic and mean about Greg James. Of course. But, but the joke is funny based on the whole concept of the the groundhog, the gerbil, the six weeks seen as shadow, the gerbil in the ass.
0: I have several AIDS jokes myself. But...
1: That joke is such a good joke. but um, And then I met him and I was like, oh, I feel terrible. And then I was like, oh, I shook your hand. You have AIDS.
0: That's for visual AIDS?
1: Oh, no, he looks great, though. Fuck
0: but some it. people do look at Magic Johnson. like
1: Yeah, they have the good AIDS.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, then you have the, the guitar player from Rat who passed away from AIDS, but... He had the bad AIDS. Uh, well, I mean, he, you know, I guess he died, so, like... Okay. But, like, he got bigger. Like, he didn't emaciate, like, say, Rock Hudson. Oh. But I, I'm sure the medicines, uh, you yeah. know, you know, you know the advances are making it where you can maintain a little better than say rock Hudson who looked like a skeleton when he passed. Oh yeah. So, which is really sad, but you know, I think there's people like magic looks great. Yeah. I know girls who would still fucking with no rubber. You're
1: doing well with it.
0: I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm good. I'm clean. I've never had a disease. But I usually have a girlfriend, so I don't wolf around.
1: I mean, I have wolfed around. You look like you're a scumbag. You look like the kind of guy that would creep around, but you don't.
0: No, I mean, I'm uh, I'm pretty. You know, I I uh, I've net like I don't have anything to worry about in terms of the Me Too movement. You know, I I I'm shy actually. So if I throw it out there to a girl and they reject me, I shut down. So, really? yeah, I've never, but I also have enough, uh, a high enough opinion of me.
1: See, that's what you have to learn is that's when you hold them down. When they <sighs> reject you, you grab them and hold them down. Hashtag me too.
0: Uh, yeah, let's get some numbers. Time's up. Uh, well, some of my comic friends, their time's up sooner than they think.
1: Sharon Houston said to me, uh, I did a show last night for a benefit for my kid's school, and it was me, Brian Callen, Ian Edwards, and Lachlan Patterson. And Sharon goes, I see there's a lot of women in the lineup. And I said, hashtag our time or whatever it is. Or time's up. Hashtag time's up. Well, I mean, you know,
0: what are you going to do? I mean, 80%. Would you say this is correct? And I know you got to get going, but like uh, 80% of people in comedy are men. Um, Would you say that's around?
1: Yeah, well, it's, I heard somebody talking about this the other day about their bitterness and what they're angry about. And I realized it's we're in a business where only 20% of people are going to make a living. So that 80% is going to be upset. And it's hard to not be bitter when you're not. I mean, I don't know. I could, this could be a whole other podcast.
0: Well, I get accused of being bitter, but I I think I'm honest. I think that's what I don't like about comedy is someone asks me a question. I give it to him. Like, oh, why are you so bitter? I'm like, I'm just being honest.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of fakes out here. So I was just talking to Joe DeRosa and he's like, He's like, I'm moving back to New York. He's like, I can't put up with all the bullshit fakeness of everybody in L.A. I agree. Well, the reason it is is because people here, there's not as much comedy. So people are awarded here more on their personality and their move making than their comedy. Right. Like, no one watches comedy here. In New York, you watch all the comedy and you appreciate good comedy. It's like people in New York care about food. They care about um they care about food. They care about art. they're They're more culturally astute where people in l a are very superficial. How much money did you make? how How many tickets did you sell? You know, what what events did you get invited to? What festivals are you in? It's not what was your set like, right. It's all the superficiality. So it's hard to get ahead if you're trying to be a real comic and not not playing the game.
0: It's tough out here.
1: It's it tough. is tough. And it's just like, you can make it, but then you're like, oh, I just made it by being superficial.
0: Oh, I hate it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's fucking tough.
0: I call it palming, you know, where you have to shake everyone's hand. You're more
1: or, like a New York comic.
0: I think I would be better off in New York. Way better. Uh, Way better. Because I'm a performance junkie. Like, I love Me too. the actual, that's why, you know, I still will do an open mic.
1: Well, that's why I said only 20% of my life is in comedy. Right. right? Because... When I'm not doing stand-up, I try to get as fucking far away from it as possible. I have a couple friends that are stand-ups, like good friends, but it's because we surf together. Right. And we don't talk comedy at all when we're surfing. We're talking surfing the whole time. So I try to get away from comedy as much. The only guys I like to talk comedy with are guys that are like um, really into comedy, not the business. They're into comedy. Like, did you see this? Watch this, did this old film? like Paul Provenza and I, we'll oh, comedy for hours. He's about, the best about real comedy where I don't, I feel like people out here don't care about comedy. They care about success. Right. Um, and, and the accolades you're getting the awards you're getting, the shows you're getting on where I want to know what I don't like. She's a great comic. Actually. I find her very funny, but Michelle Wolf, um, I don't care that she just got the correspondence dinner or, whatever she's doing. I care. Uh, tell me more of her jokes. Right. I want to see the content of our material. And I feel like, why are we like that in comedy? Bands aren't like that. Bands. It's like, did you hear that song? How good is that song? Why can't we be like, how good is that joke? I wish we were more like that, but we've become, I think the internet's made it worse. Where everybody's like, how many tickets do you sell? How many? I'm like, who cares about the tickets? What was was this clo- Did you cry laughing? Was it, did it? Did, was it a joke you'd never heard before? Was it clever? Was it interesting? So I'd like to see more of that and less of this, like, oh, that guy has 700 million followers on Twitter or fucking InstaFuck or whatever mm. he's on.
0: Oh, I hate it. But you know, you have to be like, I took a. Well, I, don't f- know.
1: I was talking to one of my friends as a musician. He was like, I think the pendulum's going to swim back. We saw MySpace fall apart. This all could fucking collapse tomorrow, like MySpace did and we go back to some new fucking interesting way of thinking and creative way and
0: i mean i think the social media platforms are i don't think they're going away but they'll they'll like you know, Vine was hot for a second and then Periscope. And then now you've got Instagram live and then Facebook live. I I think social media is now the way forever, but it'll just be a different, there's some kid in this basement right now, 17 years old coming up with an app that maybe uh, does something that Instagram and Facebook doesn't. Are you taking a picture of me?
1: I'm Instagram living you.
0: Oh, this is the real deal. Yeah. I'm on Eddie F's Instagram live. So, uh, this is a dual podcast right now. We're doing the Bengal Show and Inappropriate Earl out. Hopefully tomorrow. Uh, although I've been researching when the.
1: What's your Instagram?
0: It's just at Earl Skakel. E a r l, s k a k e l. That was one of the. And this is why I think I would love New York.
1: S k a k
0: e l is Paul Provenza came up to me one night after Roast Battle, and I'd never met him. He just looked at me and goes, dude, they can't do this show without you. And I was like, <laughs> I felt like I was being blessed by, like, because I know, like, I want respect from people like you and him.
1: He, he's he's great.
0: But to have him give you, like, and when Jim Carrey came up to me and said...
1: Really? You had Jim Carrey come up? With-
0: Jim Carrey, came, he, he went there to see Roast Battle, and uh, he came up to me afterwards, and i've always when i was doing the heckling thing I was just doing archie bunker right and he no one ever got it and he just whispered into my ear hey archie where's edith and man i could have quit comedy wow like he that's how brilliant his mind is is he got it wow and i don't even remember what jokes i was doing he's just silly you know shtick uh you know, I, I remember when Russell Simmons was up there one night. Uh, I was like, hey, Russell, let's you got the money. Let's remake Roots and this time finish the job. And, you know, I went up to him to apologize. He's like, son, you were my favorite part. He's calling me son. I'm probably like five years younger than him. Uh, so, yeah, when you get the approval of people you look up to, it's the best.
1: Yeah, that would – I've never had anything like that. that you would, have, man. No, uh, no, I've never had – I've had some weird little things, but nothing like Jim Carrey or uh, Russell Simmons would be a pretty big one. Um,
0: well, he was just uh, – like, I don't listen to rap. He, You know, I, I'm a metal head, so, like, I have no musical, like, allegiance with him and the music that he helped build. But it was just, like, obviously he's Russell Simmons. You, you know, he's like – has very few peers. So for him to grab my arm and go, you were my favorite part, So That
1: would be pretty fucking amazing. Um, I would – I would really that's something, you know, when you know you're you know you've done it.
0: And the same thing with Paul Prevenza, like I look up to him so much, like as a, a comedy uh voyeur and icon and like just when yeah. he speaks I listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, um so I'd rather get his approval than get ten million followers on Instagram. Although probably that would help me more.
1: Yeah, I'd kind of, I would agree with you. My I took a psychological exam that my friend, the guy you were talking to, right. started, he does that. His company makes, um, they test people for like jobs and stuff and careers. And he gave me one to see what I, and he said, it's funny. He goes, you don't, you, you wouldn't be a good salesman because you don't care about money. He goes, you care about approval from your peers. Yeah. You want your peers to uh, tell you you're good. And I was like, yeah, I think. When I was young in the business, I wanted the, I want money now. Cause I got kid, you know, I, I got to support a family, but when I was young, I wanted all the fame and I didn't care how I would get it when I was really young. Now it's, I fuck the fame. It's like, I, I want to make something so quality that all my peers are like, fuck, that was good. Yeah. You know, like, like my goal with my hour special is not to have it, I mean, I would like, I would like to have it be good that I tour everywhere and lots of people come to my show, but more than anything, I would like that in green rooms, comics are going, did you see F. special? Fuck, it was good. That's what yeah, I want. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, did you hear F. sold out 20,000 seats? And that's what I hear most of the time. But like, I know with Chappelle's, that special Chappelle did in fucking, uh, DC. I was just like. Fuck, this is good. Yeah. Bill Burr, when he did that black and white special, I remember watching it, just going, "I, I'll never be this good. This guy is. I should quit the business. This is so fucking amazing." And uh, that's what I want. I want it. I want people going, no, "Holy shit!" So that's what I'm working on this year.
0: All right. Well, Eddie, a thousand thank yous for doing.
1: Earl, thank you. Next time we talk, we should talk about our butler and our maid.
0: Yeah, Leroy. Every uh, December twelfth, which was Leroy's birthday, I go to the veteran's cemetery on Wilshire in Ohio. I don't know why I'm giving the inter- intersection, and I clean his grave.
1: Willa May died at my kitchen table. She uh, she was she was not a maid. She was uh, she was kind of like not like a nanny. My mom had five kids. A too. So she, so she needed uh, a lot of help, and uh, we didn't have like my grandparents weren't over helping. It was uh, this woman who would like do the cleaning and help with the house. So she was kind of like a cleaning lady, but we like grew up with her. So I joke, I didn't have a maid. I had a clean, and I don't know how many days a week she was there or whatever, but she, uh, she died at our kitchen table.
0: Wait, did you see it?
1: No, my my brother-in-law came home and she was sitting at the table and he ran down to tell my sister, he's like, don't come upstairs. <laughs> and uh, she uh, she just like killed over at the kitchen table. Really sad, I loved her. You know, she was like, oh sure. my life.
0: That's kind of what happened with my mom. My sisters call me. They were in Florida. They said, Earl, you got to get to Florida right now.
1: Oh, That's the worst flight of your life.
0: It was brutal. And I had to take my two dogs at the time. Uh, you hadn't killed. No, no. That was the other two dogs. Now I, now I don't put dogs down at all. We had a Yorkie that was 21 years old, I falling out. I kept this fucking dog going so uh the cat pulls up to the florida house my mom took her last breath it's i don't believe in like wacky stuff like this but i really believe that she waited till i got there oh that's amazing but i really believe that
1: i do think i do think people die when they give up and they sometimes need a hurdle to get over right they can give up and that might have been it so i do believe that, that i'm not a spiritual person or anything but i think like I think you die when you give up a lot of times, and it's like when you finally go, I, I just, I'm done. But you, that was something, giving her something to live to. Yeah, I like, mean, I got to see Earl, and then she was like, I'm done.
0: I think, well, she didn't even see me. Like, uh, I literally, the cab pulled up, uh, and the one dog was like running around the fucking interstate. So I did, but I think my sister said Earl's here, and she literally, I, I didn't get to see her take her last breath but i did with my dad which was cool like we all held his hand yeah um, part of life oh it's the worst but you know part of life uh so this will be out uh tomorrow uh yeah, mine,
1: mine i'm gonna try to get out tomorrow um i'm leaving for vegas well now i gotta go swim and then i'm going to vegas. i'm flying tonight on a 11 o'clock flight the show starts at 12 30 and then i'm flying back early in the morning because i'm at the ice house in pasadena tomorrow uh tomorrow night if you're in la saturday night Pasadena Ice House. I'm headlining. I'm recording my hour. And then I'm uh, where am I next week? I'm in Appleton, Wisconsin. I'm in San Diego. Madhouse on Tuesday. Reds on Wednesday. Then I'm in Appleton, Wisconsin, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then uh, where do I go after that? Hawaii. Big show in Hawaii on the 23rd of and the the 28th. I'm in San Francisco. Big show at the Punchline on the 28th. The 23rd, I'm at Flying Brian's. In Hawaiian Bryans. Hawaiian Bryans in Crossroads in uh in Hawaii. So uh those are big shows, twenty third and twenty eighth. Earl will be at the comedy store every single night. <laughs> every night. You wanna see Earl? Just go to the comedy
0: Store. I only go up there when I have spots now. Yeah. It's just one or two people I don't like seeing. So And then if he's not there he's at seven eleven on the Olympic in La Cienega yeah. I'm gonna go wa- see the comics LA comics you should listen and learn from this last minute of this podcast I'm going tomorrow night to watch Eddie I don't want a guest spot I will refuse one if offered because I'm gonna support a friend he doesn't need me there he'll do just fine with or without me but I'm gonna watch him and I'm gonna like lear- try and learn how to be a better comic so most of you would go hey Eddie can I get five I don't want
1: five this is the most passive of aggressive way anyone's ever tried to get aggressive. no I don't want
0: one I really I'm going to watch a friend do something that's important to him
1: <laughs> well thank you for coming Earl unlike you fucking palmers out there you really hate the open mic community of LA don't you
0: well I hate uh uh you know uh, I don't I, well, Yeah, I do, to be honest. Yeah, you really
1: do, I've noticed.
0: I don't like the Palmers. I don't like some of these roast battle comics who sit there on Tuesday nights with their fucking chest out, walking around the comedy store like they're fucking Ric Flair or Rick Rude. Hey, I'm number 15 in the rankings. Well, no one cares now. So wait in about a year when uh, you had your two minutes of fame from the show and you got to walk the hallways as a comic. Good luck with that, Jack.
1: Wow. On that note... Thanks for listening to The Bingle Show. And thanks
0: for listening to Inappropriate Earl.